0: For Racing Radio, and tonight we have our Texas NASCAR race review and Hot topic sound off at 10 p.m. Eastern Time. Joining me tonight will be my co-host, Sal Segala. He'll be here shortly. Uh, in the first half hour, we are going to uh, have some short track news for you. We'll also give some updates from the Arkham Arts East and West Series, and then we'll do our truck Series review. From Texas Motor Speedway. At 10 o'clock, we're going to have the pre-recorded post race media interview with the NASCAR Truck Series winner, Stuart Friesen, and his crew chief. At uh, 9.15, we'll have our Xfinity Series uh, review from Texas Motor Speedway. And at 9.30, we have another guest, Dylan Zampa, a pro late-model driver with the SRL Southwest Touring Series, after winning at Irwindale Speedway this past weekend. And right after that, a top series review from Texas Motor Speedway, uh, which will include both the open race as well as the all-star race. So, uh, 10 o'clock means that it's time for our last uh, hot topic sound off. So, join us uh, with the Fan Racing crew as we discuss the hottest topics From the weekend of racing and tonight we do have Jay Huseman We'll have Andy Lasky and we'll have Tommy Kraft on board Joining me now is our co-host for tonight And that is Sal Sagal Welcome to the show, Sal
1: Oh, thank you, Sharon. Good evening
0: Good evening Uh, We'll get into some short track news And there's some good news Uh, One is that our guest tonight at 9.30, Dylan Zampa uh, won his pro late model race at Irwindale Speedway this past weekend. Uh, were you
1: there, Seth? Yes, actually, I was at the race this weekend. It was a it was a long weekend coming back from my vacation, and then only being off for two days and having to go straight to the straight to the um, straight to the track after that.
0: But it exactly, was fun. and and Jacob Gomes.
1: He's on a hot streak as well. He won it, Irwin Dale Speedway, too. Yeah, J- Jacob went three and this is third in a row. Um, I'm gonna talk to him and see if we can get him on maybe next hopefully we can get him on next Tuesday. And uh this way he can talk about his win and his new his streak and, and what's going on with uh, Jacob Gomes and his um with Jacob Gomes and uh um Jacob Gomes race seat.
0: Yes, indeed. Now, uh, since you mentioned Tuesday, I am going to do a programming note right now, and that is that next Monday, of course, is Memorial Day, so we will not be on here on Monday night. We are moving our show to Tuesday night uh, to do our fanfarers and radio review show as well as our uh, Hot Topic Sound Off. So uh, make a note of that, that we will not be on air this coming Monday. It will be Tuesday, May 31st, starting at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Okay, so that's uh, two big wins this weekend, and that would be great if you can get Jacob Jones on the show, with us. I know he's been on before. Uh, One thing that I thought was really cool is that uh, Ryan Blaney, who won in the Cup uh, Series All-Star Race, had uh, South Boston Speedway on his uh, C-post this weekend. So that was kind of cool to see that uh, because he gave South Boston Speedway a little extra airtime. time there. Are you there, Sal?
1: Yeah, I'm here. I'm sorry, Sharon. I'm trying to get my... um my computer up and running. I was not feeling too well today. I, but Sandy got real, she's got really super bad sick bronchitis for the past four days. Oh, I'm
2: sorry. I'm to trying to fight
1: that. Not. I know she's been down and she's supposed to be in Utah today for work, but she could not make the flight and I'm fighting, trying not to get it. So I was, I was laid yes. down. So right now I'm getting, I'm getting all my computer all up and running so I can, so we can get this over with.
0: Okay. Well, let me mention some of the uh, folks that won this weekend on the short tracks. Kobe Rockets uh, to an inaugural Granite State Derby win. Uh, So that was a big win. Uh, It's just Kobe. I'm sure Kobe has her last name here. I think it's Doug Kobe. Yeah, Doug Colby uh, Rockets to the inaugural Granite State Derby win. So uh, that's from the uh, Granite State Pro Stock Series, a big win for Doug Colby in that event. Uh, Let me see if I can get back here. Uh, Also, you had – let me come up here. Yeah, you had – we talked about Jacob Gomes. Uh, Kevin Lacroix won another epic 10th finish at Motorsports uh, Canadian Tire Motorsports uh, Road Course. So that's been a big uh, win for him. Delarue uh, Clut took the lead on the restart, but spun from contact in the final corner, and that opened the door for Kevin Lacroix uh, to get his victory. Carson Qualpel, a lot of you will remember Travis Qualpel in the Cup Series. He gave a birthday gift and. Uh, the cars win at Franklin County Speedway. Uh, so, again, Connor Hall, Mike Looney, and Caden Honeycutt crashed on the front, in front of the Junior Board of Sports number 8, which was Carson Flopple, and that opened the door for him to get a win. Um, Mike Looney, on the net on the uh, not for good side, he has another Cars Tour Disappointment. Ryan Moore slams of a car's prolate win in Franklin County. Uh, Doy won outlasted trusect for the Granite State Derby Gold. Uh, Kyle Larson dominated the world of Outlaws at Attica. I love to see the Cup Series drivers racing at these local tracks. So, okay, I don't know what happened to Sal.
3: Shaw, are you on mute? Yeah, I'm
1: sorry, Sharon. I was on mute. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. Oh, okay. um, some local short track races. Yeah, there we go. Some local short track races is always is always uh good to uh is always good to come out and see your your supporting drivers that are up and coming and um uh you know you see a lot of action. You know, you meet a lot of drivers, you meet a lot of people there. You know, sometimes you never know. I mean who's gonna end up um who's
0: gonna end up at uh Sure at, at the uh,
1: next level. Yeah, you never know who's gonna be at the next level.
0: Exactly. Uh off of the Wayland Modified tour they raced at Lee USA Speedway. There's some takeaways from that over at Flow Racing. Hunter Schurenberg goes elbows up for the All Stars win at Angel Park. Uh Robert Ballou claims his third rifle in the USAC Tony Olin Classic. So that's pretty cool. We got Bill Baylock enjoying a perfect night with all-star sprints at Plymouth uh, Speedway. So uh, that's pretty cool. CJ Leary lands along the weighted Kerr New USAC Sprint win. And this weekend's Richest Dirt Late Model Race is in Jamaica. So all of the uh, reviews of these shows of these races are over at um, Flow Racing. They also have a track profile of New Hampshire's Lee USA Speedway, which was the location of that uh, modified race NASCAR wheel and modified race. So uh, that's kind of cool too. Uh, yeah, a lot of really good racing a- this weekend.
1: Oh yeah, there's a lot of real good racing. Yeah, there's beast, you know, a lot more coming up. You know, even um, you know in the, in the, in the future, uh, you know, weeks to come. You know, summer is usually you know a lot of it's usually a good time for us. You know, when it comes to uh, yes,
2: yeah.
0: as we get to June, it's just going to pick up the pace, and we're going to have multiple races on multiple days at multiple different tracks. So if you want to keep up with all of the uh, Short track racing that's going on. Uh, I really suggest that you tune in to uh, Racing America. If you're not a subscriber subscriber, you'll want to subscribe because that will allow you to watch live streaming of several short track races uh, that they cover the same thing with flow sport racing. Uh, they cover a lot of races over the weekend. And, uh, if you become a subscriber, you can watch all of those races, uh, to your little hearts content. So. Yeah,
1: I, I, I would encourage, um, I would encourage a lot of you to, uh, to make sure. And, um,
2: um,
1: you know, to make sure if you can, you know, to try and subscribe to you for a month just to check it out, see what it's all about, you know, see if you like it or not. But there's a lot of a lot of different racing going on all during the week, you know, um, you know, anything from dirt to modifieds to, to late models to super late, you know, and, you know, whatever happens to be going on for that week.
0: And a lot of the weekly touring series for NASCAR uh, have their races broadcast on the live streaming services that are out there, mainly flow Racing uh, for that. But there are some of those that are also covered uh, by Racing America or MAP TV. So uh, it really is worth the investment. There are so many races. You will never have a moment uh, uh, that y- there isn't a race available uh, on one of those three streaming services. Uh, They just do a wonderful job of covering all of the local short track racing across the country
1: Yeah, they do and um, you know, and and even some of the announcers, you know, some of the commentators uh, You know, they're um, you know, they're down to earth, you know, really informative You know to keep you informed on what's going on, you know with these drivers, you know, I mean You know a lot of us we get so used to watching cup and Xfinity and trucks you know that you know the drivers you know then you turn on these short tracks you're wondering well who's this guy who's that guy well as you start watching you, know, you start following them on social media and see what they're up to and um, you'll be surprised at who some of these guys are where they're going and um you know the whole it's the whole, just a whole different dynamic
0: there it really is and you know brandon paul who used to be over at speed.com I think that's what it was called now. Isn't that funny? They've got a new name 51. Speed
4: 51.
0: Speed 51.
4: Um, it was Speed
1: 51, yeah.
0: Yeah, he's now doing all of the uh, uh, information over at Flow Racing and taking over that role at Racing America <coughs> is Matt Weaver. So <laughs> I know we've had Brandon Paul on the show. We've talked about trying to get Matt Weaver. Uh, to come on board and chat about uh, what's happening at, at uh, Racing America. But both of those flat platforms do a really remarkable job, and both of those individuals are highly, highly tuned in to what is going on uh, in short track racing across the uh, country.
1: Exactly. And actually, real quick, Brandon used to be the, the director. He was one of the program directors at uh, – at Speed 51 before, um, before he, uh, took over at, um, at, uh,
2: flow where racing.
1: is that now? Flow racing. Flow yeah. And racing. and Matt, yeah, flow, flow racing. And then Matt's always been, you know, in tune with, you know, what's going on, you know, all around the, uh, all around the, um, uh, country, you know, as far as short track NASCAR and, uh, really that's it. Short, you know, short track racing NASCAR.
2: Yes.
0: And
1: Arca, but, uh, yeah. They oh yeah. Yeah. A, they, a, oh yeah. And Arca, well, job. I, yeah. And I, 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 I just, I didn't mention Arca cause I, I kind of looked at Arca as kind of like a, um, short uh, track, as a short track. Yeah.
0: And speaking of ARCA, let's go ahead and get into some updates here in the ARCA Menard Series, as well as our ARCA East and West. They did not race this past weekend, but they do have some races that are coming up this coming weekend out at Charlotte Motor Speedway. The ARCA Menard Series is going to be racing May 27th, starting at 6 p.m. Eastern time uh, for the General Tire 150, and that will be broadcast on Fox Sports 1 from Charlotte Motor Speedway. So folks will be able to tune in uh, for that live broadcast. Uh, and of course, uh, Jay and I will do a preview of that race this coming Thursday night when we do our preview show.
2: Which is cool. Okay, I see. <clears throat>
0: Okay, and then uh, after that, the ARCA East, well, let's go to the ARCA West because they have the next race, which will be June the 4th. That's 4.30 p.m. Pacific time, uh, which is 7.30 p.m. Eastern time. They'll be racing the Portland 100 at Portland International Raceway. That race will be live streamed on flow racing, so... uh, Make sure you subscribe before then so that you can watch that race. Uh, There's a lot of competitors in the West, and they are all uh, going after the best position they can get in the point standings as their season continues to wind down.
1: Yeah, so we got a lot of – it's going to be a a good race over at – at Sonoma, with that, because they're racing with the uh, with the Capital World Truck Series. This is the first year Capital World Truck Series truck series has been back over there, you in in Yeah, but time.
0: before they get to Sonoma, they're going to be in Portland.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. for the for the uh, for the road. Actually, they got back to back road course races.
0: hmm So that's going to be fun for the and North uh, West. Uh, then in the East. Uh, it's actually going to be three series racing at one track for three different points opportunities, including the Arca Menard Series, the Arca East Series, and the Sioux Chief Showdown Series. All will be awarded points uh, for that one race to Calypso Lemonade 150 on June the 11th, 8 p.m. Central, 9 p.m. Eastern, out at Iowa Speedway. And that will be televised on MAV-TV, so you'll need to have your MAV-TV subscription as well so that you can watch this one live. Uh, it's always fun when you've got combination events like that uh, because there, there's a lot of action on the track uh, with points on the line for those three different series.
1: Yes, and, and actually, if you have DirecTV, you get MAV-TV Mav is uh is free with the uh, subscription on uh, awesome. on T V
0: Okay, that's pretty cool. So uh, th- those are the races that are coming up. There's always some great articles up at uh, uh, Arca Miller Series uh, race page, which is arcaracing.com. Uh, they've already got the pit box up for the races at Charlotte Motor Speedway uh, this coming weekend. Uh, they have uh, how you can buy your tickets for that race, the General Tire 150 in Charlotte. Uh, they have a, uh, the schedule of events that will be taking place Friday at Charlotte Motor Speedway that involve the Arkham arts Series. And everything you need to know about America's home for racing, Charlotte Motor Speedway, uh, located right in the heart of NASCAR country out in North Carolina there.
1: Well, that sounds pretty neat right there. So it yes, it got to look forward to that, li- that, that live out that way. You know, we, we did well, what we need a, So we need stuff like that out this way too, not just over back over there, but we need it out this way.
0: That's true. But Sal, you are our connection to the West. So we try to keep everybody informed with what's going out there on the West Coast.
1: Oh yeah, well you know we do. You know we think we do a pretty good job, especially with the Southwest Tour Series. That's probably our biggest yeah. touring series, and actually, we, actually even even drivers from back east, you know, they talk about the series. You know, when I go back there, you know, and, and they always talk about you know what the you know the Southwest Tour, you know, the money they pay out, you know, that it's a touring series. You know, so um, it, just, it gets it gets it gets this share of uh, good coverage.
2: Okay,
0: okay, that's uh, that's true. It's a, it's a great series, and we love hearing about everything that goes on out at, uh, at the at, for the SRL Southwest Touring Series. Uh, but we also love hearing about the weekly touring series out there as well. Uh, they race at All American Speedway in Roseville. Kern County Raceway, the basic race at uh, Irwindale Speedway; those are all popular tracks that we hear about all the time from the south.
1: Yes, and also Orange Show Speedway got started up again with a different owner. Before we were doing Orange Shows with because Rod Proctor was running it. Now they have somebody else that that took over. So they're um, they're getting their racing in, you know. They're getting their fix in. Yeah. So that that's always good to hear, you know. That you know that it just didn't, somebody just just didn't let it go, you know, someone else took over.
0: Okay. Um, Let's go ahead and move on now now to our truck series review of um, what took place at Texas Motor Speedway on Friday. The race winner was Stuart Friesen, 38 years old, uh, driving the number 52, Homar International, uh, Toyota with Walmart Friesen Racing. His crew chief is John Leonard and he'll be part of that broadcast that we're going to bring to you at 9 o'clock. Uh, it was the 24th annual Speedy Cash 220. Uh, this was uh, uh, Friesen's third victory in 124 Camping World Truck Series races, his first victory in the fourth Topkin finish this season, and his first victory in fifth top ten finish in 10 races at Texas Motor Speedway. Christian Eckes fought hard uh, but ended up in second place, posting his second top-ten finish in three races at Texas, and his fifth top-ten finish this year. Ryan Priest finished third, uh, posting his first top-ten finish in his series track debut at Texas Motor Speedway. The highest-finishing rookie was Corey Heim, who finished in seventh, um, and Stuart Friesen becomes the 26th different Camping World Truck Series winner at Texas Motor Speedway. Um, And this is crew chief John Leonard's first Camping World Truck Series victory. So always uh, fun when when you see people getting their first win in NASCAR. Uh, I'll tell you what, it was a hard-earned, deeply appreciated victory for Stuart Friesen and Friday night speedycash.com 220. Truck Series race at Texas, the first win for the Canadian driver since November of 2019, is 60 laps out front in the 52 Hallmark Racing Toyota, more than doubled his year-long total laps led, and were enough to land his first win in the last 53 races to secure his place in this year's playoff run. Uh, now. After getting the lead from the number 98 of Christian Eckes on the final lap, following an overtime restart, uh, is how he won this race. The win is the first of the season, the first at Texas, and the third of his career. We mentioned Eckes finishing second and Ryan Priest finishing in third place. Um, he was followed by Carson Hocevar, Jeff Teel, Henry Muntz, Corey Heim. Chandler Smith, Matt Crafton, and Matt DiBenedetto to round out the top ten. The pole sitter, John Hunter Nemechek, started at the rear of the field for the start. For unapproved adjustments following qualifying, he did lead 14 laps before finishing. Four, I'm sorry, before finishing sixth. There were 18 lead changes among seven drivers and seven cautions for 36 yellow flag laps. The average speed of the race was 116.575 miles per hour. So uh, let me real quick just say my apologies for any background noise uh, that you may be hearing. I'm not in my usual office tonight. I'm down here in Texas uh, for my grandson's birthday, and I'm staying for the week uh, through Labor not Labor Day, but Memorial Day. So uh, for the next couple of shows, My (laughs) apologies for any unusual background noise you might hear. But
1: Sal, what are your thoughts about uh, this ten? Yeah, it was nice to see Stuart Friesen finally get the win. You know, kind of been eluding him. You know, he's put his time into the series. You know, and you know, always a always a fierce competitor. You know, to finally get that that kind of monkey off his back and grab that win. Um. You know, it's always nice to see, you know, and then, you know, when you look at the top, you know, you, I know you mentioned the top 10, you know, Matt uh, uh, Benedetto, 10, but then, you know, you look at, you know, the young, the younger drivers in the series, you know, it's Christian Eckies and Ryan Priest, you know, finishing second, third.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Of course, Carson Osovar is another youngster, along with Ty Majeski, who just came into the series, you know, finishing fifth. So, um, you know, uh really good. Go ahead. I
2: was yeah, going to say, really we had really... some,
0: some big names in this race as well. Ross Chastain raced in the uh, truck carriers race uh, this weekend. You had um, Todd Bodine in the race. He came home with a uh, 13th place finish uh, just behind Ross Chastain in, in 12th place. Ben Rhodes. Uh, ended up in 26th place. It wasn't his night, actually 27th place. Um, and we had some overheating issues for Tyler Ankrum, and a couple of drivers caught up in accidents. He had to feel bad for Derek Cross and Chris Wright.
3: Yeah, you know
1: it, it's. I mean, it's, that's part of racing. You know, something you know they have to kind of. You know, you have to expect. You know, but. <clears throat> You know they'll they'll regroup and come back. You know they'll be ready for the next one.
0: Is this right, Sal? It says the number seventeen won stage one and stage two, and the number seventeen. Let me see if I'm reading this right.
2: That was Ryan Priest.
0: Oh, that's Ryan Priest. Okay, I did read that wrong then. I didn't think that was right. Okay, yes, Ryan Priest won those first two stages. And
1: I was really happy to see that for him. Oh, yeah, everybody was, uh, you know, I'm sure, you know, it was was neat to see, you know, Ryan, you know, get up there, you know, grab that, um, you know, grab that, uh, just grab those two stage ones. Too bad he couldn't um, grab, you know, the third one, which is the most important one of the night,
2: Exactly,
0: exactly. Two drivers uh, didn't make it into the race this week, uh, the number 20 of uh, Garrett Smithley
2: and the number
0: 43 of Armani Williams. I think we mentioned Armani on our previous show, uh, and it's really too bad that he wasn't able to make it into that race. But
1: uh,
0: he'll have another opportunity down road here, I'm sure. Yeah. He'll be back. He'll be back to, to
1: – yep. to, uh... To um, to give another another stab at trying to make the race. I mean, they always do. It's just they they learn things, and then they um, they come back, you know, a little bit stronger, you know, and end up getting in and you know sometimes winning or yeah. or having a really good solid finish.
0: Okay, well let's go ahead and cover the points reports uh, before we uh, run out of time here.
1: You got that up? All right. Then the yeah the points we got a uh, John Hunter check. Leading the points, um, Ben Rhodes in second, Chandler Smith in third, Stuart Friesen in fourth, Dane Smith in fifth to round out the top five. And actually our top five in points minus Corey Haim, are the only ones that have uh, – are the only ones with, with, with uh, race wins. Um, mm-hmm. Smith leads, uh, leads the series with three, and he's got uh, 19, uh, 19 playoff points. And then from there then we go down to sixth is jeski, seventh is Christian Eckes, eighth is Carson Osovar, ninth is Grad Infinger, and tenth is Matt Crafton and at eleventh is Tanner Gray, who's starting to make up some, some ground to try and catch that uh that tenth spot and grab that um that bubble spot for the uh for the last spot into the into the playoffs.
0: Yeah, Zane Smith has the most points, uh playoff points with the three wins and four stage wins. And behind him is uh, Ben Rhodes with 10 playoff points. So those are the the most significant playoff point uh, people at this point. Um, But uh, yeah, this is gonna be fun to watch. I think we're gonna see some movement there. Zane Smith lost a couple of places. He didn't have the finish she was looking for, but with the win, Stuart Friesen gained a couple of spots. Ben Rhodes dropped out of the lead uh, for the first time uh, in four races. He was in the lead for four uh, four consecutive weeks, uh, four consecutive races anyway. So he lost a spot while John Hunter Nemechek gained a spot. Ty Majeskic, uh, dropped a spot, as did uh, Carson Josevar. So, Matt Benedetto, though, he moves up a couple of spots. He's now 13th in the series point standings, so I uh, keep an eye on him over the next few weeks. Uh, he may end up in that top 10 before it's all said and done.
1: Oh, yeah, you, you definitely got to keep an eye on the, on the bottom, on the, you know, 11th, 12th, 13th, you know, 14th to 15th. Um, you know, they're... Uh, you know, drivers, you know, that have proven, you know, that they could probably make the chase, you know, and be competitive. I didn't expect Matt Crafty to be the slower slower point stage. I expected it to be a lot higher, you know, maybe up around the, you know, at least the top five.
0: Exactly. Okay, we're going to go ahead and move on now to our next segment. Uh, It is the uh, half of the hour, and I want to get into Stuart Friesen's post-race audio. Um, He won, uh, and as we mentioned, it's kind of the first race uh, that he's won at uh, since 2019. So we have some post-race audio here. The entire length is 6 minutes, 17 seconds, so we'll be able to listen to the entire post-race interview from the media center uh, with Stuart Friesen Driver of the number fifty-two Halmar Racing Toyota and his crew chief John Leonard. So I'm going to pull that up now, and we'll take a listen. driver of the
5: number fifty-two Halmar International Toyota for Halmar Racing, winner of tonight's NASCAR Cup Series race from Texas Motor Speedway.
2: Stewart,
4: an overtime finish bringing
2: your first
0: win of the season. Take us through the race, especially those. Uh,
5: Closing on. Um It was hectic. Um, I Kind of wanted to race, head to head, because I thought we had a little better truck once earlier. And uh, if you treat my checkers, <laughs> rarely go in my favor. Um, just needed to hit a clean restart. Probably the best restart I hit in my career. And um, we were able to race with them. And then, so then throwing things better. Uh, a big career. Uh, you know, thanks to Chris, pushed the car out of me. So I knew how the odds were a little bit more in our favor when he lined up with us. So I uh, appreciate it. But um, yeah, our Curative Pro was fast. Big thanks to Al Marcus Parsons. It's just been a huge building effort for the past three years. Uh, it's
2: awesome. Well,
0: congratulations. We will now open up to
5: questions. If you have a question for Stuart, raise your hand. We will get a wireless Start
0: with Jerry Jordan.
4: Jerry Jordan kicking first on it. Just talk about that last lap going through there, and you know, it looked like coming through three or four exits was going to dive bomb you, and uh, but you pulled away.
5: When you made your move, were you worried that you might come back like that? A little bit. I knew once we got a clear off of two, it was going to be tough for him to get back underneath the, the side draft. So I uh, just tried to go in the bottom of three and then slide back across. You did a really good job blocking the air before that. So
2: i uh, kind of
5: just the same
2: thing
4: you did better there than the to across, um, you know, kept on our bumper, not, you know, an expert. Joey Barnes, Motorsports Review. Um, I was kind of curious about the grip level out there. I mean, just the surface, we're trying to get it to age a little bit. I know there's some traction compound and
5: whatnot going on. Uh, just kind of looking at that maybe compared to what you experienced last yeah, time. Yeah, it, it moved around a lot. Traction compound really wasn't there early. Uh, the pre-sound it and got to our quarter and went it, to it the got by, so jumping the leader, it just was kind of in the wrong place there. So it started to come in, and then it was, I thought it was going to be just dominant, like you wouldn't be able to get out of it. And then the you know, third stage, it's like the bottom kind of came back, like, like it really got. You know, there was a good bottom on top, uh, both ends, so that kind of surprised me. And um, it made better because of it. I thought once it gripped up, it hit that bottom, kind of came back to life. So,
2: Additional
4: questions for Stuart. Uh, L.A. Stern, Santa Maria Times. Is this the breakthrough when you and your team
5: needed it? What does it say you guys going ahead? I certainly hope so. It's been a uh, trying for years, you know, building this. Chris, Everett, remember how you know, moving John to crew chief uh, last year was, was a strong move for us to let Trip focus on everything else uh, in the business um, or in the organization. So it's been it's been tough. You know we've had some good trucks, but we really, you know, especially lately, we haven't been able to put a whole race together for whatever reason. Fast parts, but, but not the whole thing. And, you know, tonight we came up with a strong time trial, very strong, um, obviously race strong. So uh, hopefully, you know, a lot of long hours are, are paying off. And, uh, so. It's good, you know, back when we with GMS, got a couple wins. 2019, uh, you know, they came late in the year, so it's might get one during the stretch. And uh, it's something you can build on. We'll go back to uh, Terry. Uh,
4: follow up real quick. Sort uh, of along those lines. Next week you can go to Charlotte, and then you've got uh, Gateway. Just your on going into Charlotte and then uh, moving on to uh, Gateway, which uh, I think it's race Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I've raced
5: them all many times. Uh, I like Charlotte. It's fun. There's a lot of characters. And uh, I, mean, I really like the mile-and-a-half, so uh, mile-and-a-half program is really good. And then going to the Gateway, you know, we're strong there. We missed a little bit there last year. But it's a, it's a fun track, uh, a very technical track. So, um, you know, everybody's asking, like, what's your favorite track? I like them all. You know, this has been a blessing to race at this level. Um, and I embrace every every track. Really looking forward to Snowma. Uh, Probably something we've improved on the most over the last year. We are also joined up front by John Leonard, crew chief
0: of the number 52. If you have questions for either gentleman up front, please uh, bridge
5: your hand with your live. And uh, now i wanted to one of to address the, my passion a little bit uh, of other day with Candor and <laughs> Camping World. Uh, big thanks to Marcus at Camping World for coming on board with us with the nine. Uh, You know, our second truck team. And this was just my, my lucky fire suit. I wore my other one. And... Uh, I don't know if I didn't really slip down this year like I did just past, but the other one was getting kind of tight, and this one had a lot of luck in it. So uh, I kind of didn't remember that it had the old logo, uh, but we'll have to get to uh, fix it. Up. <laughs> well, John, we also know that this is your first NASCAR Truck Series victory. Congratulations. Um, talk a little bit about that. What does that mean to you? Yeah, it's um it's been, a, it's been a long time coming uh, everybody here at HMR is you know, kind of gets by, a lot of a lot of guidance from trip and, and everybody everybody's kinda of on the same boat. Everyone put putting in the hours and the effort and uh better guys. So um uh, proud everybody and you know a lot more. Any additional questions for either gentleman up front? All right. Well,
0: congratulations again, and enjoy the victory. All right. There you have it. The interview with Stuart Friesen. Uh, they didn't really have uh, many questions for John Leonard, but uh, your thoughts about the interview?
1: <clears throat> yeah. You know, it, it's you know, kind of you know to get the uh, you know perspective of the drivers you know after they've already, um, after they've already um, um, settled down you know from the wind you know and did all the victory lane celebration, you know, then, you know, now it's time to come and talk, you know, with the media, you know, so you always get a different perspective, you know, to get more of a, more of an understanding instead of, you know, when they win, you know, somebody, sh-
2: <coughs> excuse
1: me, somebody just shoving the microphone in their face, you know, and, you know, getting a, you know, knee jerk reaction. So, um, I've always liked the media, the media room, um, media room um, questions because they're a lot more thought out, you know, they're not on the Mm -hmm. fly, and it gives the driver, you know, a chance to sit down, you know, really think, you know, about what they're saying.
0: Well, and and get their reactions fresh from the victory, too, which I think is very cool because they're usually pretty still, still pretty excited about getting that victory.
1: Yeah, you know, and and, that's what I was saying, you know, when when you get them, when they're fresh off the they shut the microphone in the face, you know, they don't always ask the right mm-hmm. questions. Sometimes, you know, I know they're professionals. I'm not taking nothing away from them. You know, I know they're professionals, but sometimes you just don't get the, sometimes you just don't get the right, um, you know, you know, the right reaction. The right from them. I, yeah. And yeah, I'm sure a lot of times there's other things they want to say besides what they said, you know, they just need time, you know, to sit down and think. You know, hey, you know what just happened? You know, I just won this race. You know, and you know they want to think, you know, more about you know what the dynamics that went into it, basically.
2: Mhm.
0: Well, for Stuart Friesen, I really, I really felt like Stuart Friesen was pretty happy. Uh, he, he talked about the long three years between wins uh, and how much building uh, that has taken place at, Stuart, at Hallmark Friesen Racing. Uh, including bringing on that second car now with Todd Bodine, who also had a top-ten finish. Or was it a top-ten finish? It it was pretty close to the top-ten if it wasn't in the top-ten. So, uh, you know, it was not only good for Stuart Friesen, but it was good for that organization as well. And I think bringing in the second car sometimes really helps the team get better performance because you're getting a different
2: perspective.
1: Yeah, you know, it does, sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't because of driving styles. I've talked to drivers about that. You don't know, ask them what it's like. You don't have a teammate. And sometimes, you know, if you have two different driving styles, it really doesn't help too much. It helps. Yeah, it does help. But,
0: um, yeah. Oh
1: yeah. Well, yeah. It helped in this case.
0: Yeah, it definitely helped in this case uh, for Stuart Friesen uh, to be able to get that win. So, um, and that's that's really where the focus is right now is, is on his win. And and how excited was John Leonard uh, for getting his first win as a crew chief? That was uh, he was pretty hyped
1: up. Oh yeah, you got. You, I mean, you got to be hyped up when you know you know, when you finally get junior you know, you know, your first win, you know, after being out here for so long, you know, and you know, and uh you know, it was a it was a it was a good it was a good weekend for them, you know, and you know, they're gonna go home and enjoy the fruits of um,
2: exactly.
1: you know getting a Camping World West race. Uh, victory under the belt.
0: Yes, indeed. And Camping they thanked Camping World Truck Series. Kevin uh, Wall Truck Series and um, I want to say John Lamonis. So I don't think that's his name. I, his, last, his last name is Lamonis. Marcus. Um, Marcus. He, has, Marcus, he Marcus. does so yeah, much to help these truck series drivers uh, with funding when they're a little bit short to uh, really get to that next level. He's kind of put it out there that any Camping little Truck Series drivers uh, that needs funding, they need to talk to Marcus Lamonis because he just uh, has been so supportive of so many teams in that series.
1: Oh, yeah. I, I remember that one week he, he came on and he made a challenge. He said, anybody that puts my name on their hood – you know, as they win the race, they're going to get like an extra 15 or $20,000, you know? So, you know, of course everybody, you know, everybody wanted to do the free sponsorship weekend too. So, you know, not only mm-hmm. was he sponsoring the truck, but he was also offering more money. So I think that's really neat when a series sponsor can do something like that, you know, to keep the, you know, to keep the drivers interested and not, you know, not wanting to bail out early on the, you know, on the, on the, um, on the season. <clears throat> you know, or just, mm-hmm. you know, other things come up.
0: Yeah, that is so true.
1: Uh, so, as fans,
0: uh, we're real thankful that he does that as well, because it certainly makes the racing better as well. Uh, we've talked about a lot of hot topics about uh, bringing parody to the sport. It just made the racing so much more exciting to watch, uh, because you've got more players with skin in the game. And uh, it really makes it, uh We've had a lot of close finishes this season, uh, you know, in all three of these series, really. But uh, uh, he, he once he got out in front, I think uh,
4: Stuart Friesen
0: really did a nice job bringing it, bringing it home for that victory.
4: Yeah, and I
1: remember the days when we used to get a whole bunch of drivers where they had to. You had to race your way in, you know, wasn't, you know, okay. We have 36 cars, they're taking 40 trucks, you know, I mean, you know, you had a 44, 45, 46 trucks, you know, try to make mm-hmm. the race, you know, so it was, it was, it was neat to watch, you know, who's going to make it and who wasn't. But, um,
2: mm-hmm. you know, with our,
1: our, our entry, are just so slim now, you know, sometimes it's just, sometimes it's one or
2: two.
0: Well, one or two drivers did not make it into the race in the truck series, um, but um, it, it, it still they still put on a really good show, the drivers that were able to make it, uh, and um, that's, that's the main thing. We're going to go ahead now and move on to our Xfinity Series review of the uh, 26th Annual SRS Distribution 250 at Texas Motor Speedway. Uh, The winner, Tyler Reddick, at the age of 26, driving the number 48 Big Machine Racing Jag Metal Chevrolet. The owner, of course, is Big Machine Racing, and the crew chief was Patrick Donahue. Uh, Tyler uh, earned his 10th victory in 93 NASCAR Xfinity Series races, uh, and Reddick becomes the 23rd difference. Xfinity Series winner at Texas Motor Speedway. This was his first victory and first top ten finish this season, and his first victory and third top ten finish in six races at Texas Motor Speedway. Another unusual name in the Xfinity Series this week, William Byron posted his third top ten finish in three races at Texas Motor Speedway, and it's his first top ten finish this season. Sam Mayer finished third, posting his first Top 10 finish in two races at Texas. Austin Hill finished fifth. He was the highest finishing rookie of the race. And this was Big Machine Racing's first NASCAR Xfinity Series win. Uh, It was also the first win. Uh, I'm sorry, not the first step. For Crew Chief Patrick Donahue, it was his third career NASCAR Xfinity Series victory. His first two were with the NASCAR Hall of Famer Jeff Gordon in two, 1999 and again in 2000. Aging Matt Allmendinger, ninth, plus his, his 12th consecutive top ten finish to start the season, uh, and that puts him tied with Elliot Sadler, who also has 12 uh, top 10 finishes to start the season. For the third most consecutive top 10 finishes to start a season, uh, Sam Ard had 23 in 1984, and Regan Smith had 13 in 2014. So a lot of interesting stats there uh, in the Xfinity series. Uh, But Tyler Reddick gave Big Machine Racing uh, their first Xfinity Series win. After running among the leaders all afternoon, uh, Reddick took the point himself with a dramatic pass from third place with just 31 laps left. He held off the field to take the checkered flag on Saturday afternoon's SRS distribution 250 at Texas Motor Speedway, making just his second start for Big Machine Racing. Uh, In the number 48, Tyler Reddick won uh, the Xfinity Series race at Texas. The win Mm -hmm. is the 10th at Reddick's career. while it's the first time for big machine racing. William Byron made his first start of the year for junior motorsports. He finished second, followed by Sam Mayer, with another top five in third. It was Justin Algaher, then it was Austin Hill to round out the top five. Ryan Truex recorded his best finish of the year for Joe Gibbs Racing as Josh Berry, Riley Earps, A.J. Allmendinger, Lanning Castle round out the top ten. The pole sitter, Noah Gregson, won the opening stage, but he was involved in two incidents during the final stage. Tyler, uh, Josh Berry earned his third stage win of the season, taking the second stage victory. There were eight lead changes among seven drivers, eleven cautions for sixty-two yellow flag laps. The average speed of the race was one hundred and one point four seven four nine seven miles per hour. Uh, your thoughts there about the race results for the top ten?
1: Sal. So? Yeah, it was it was neat to see how excited Tyler Reddick was when he got out of the car, you know, you know mm-hmm. after the win, you know, and he was, you know, um, I know NASCAR kind of made a comment too, you know, it's kind of like when um, when uh, Cole Custer won at Auto Club with that, with gosh, I can't remember the name of the team. It was a brand new team that came out this season. You know, Cole Custer was able to take his car into the victory lane, and Tyler Reddick the same thing. You know, he said that um RCR's like racing. been. racing.
0: They're not really a new team but it's the first time I think yeah. he's raced with them.
1: Yeah, and he said that, you know, it was neat, you know, to get with them, you know, because he said RCR's a little bit, you know, struggling you know, with their program, you know, and it was neat, you know, to get in the car, you know, to get that win. Not only that, but just to get all the all the data that they need, you know, to you know, to push mm-hmm. forward.
0: Exactly right. Uh now there were uh, several drivers that did run into some issues, Tra- Brett Moffat had a track car issue. Uh, there were a couple drivers involved in accidents. Actually, it's more than a couple. It's quite a few.
3: Uh, Ryan Barbers
0: had an engine issue, but the drivers involved in accidents include Ryan Ellis, J.J. Yaley, Anthony Alfredo, Alex LeBay, Jesse Ouji, Ryan Seed, Nord Gregson, we mentioned his incident, and Matt Mills, all involved in incidents on the track, uh, taking them out of the race early. The margin of victory was 1.825 seconds uh, between the, the first two drivers there, uh, Tyler Reddick and uh, William Byron.
1: Yeah, it was it was a good race, like I said, for for you know for Tyler Reddick. Um, it was. Um, he uh, well, he's our back. He's a back-to-back NASCAR Xfinity champion. So you know, to give him the nod, the way they gave the you know the nod, you know, to get the car, you know, was was just uh you know excitement in itself, you know, you know to see you know the way he took he handled it, took took advantage of the situation, you know, and and uh you know hats off to Tyler and Congratulations to him and the team on the on the win. It's 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 neat to see one of the, you know, not one of the big teams, you know, grab grab those wins.
0: Yes, that is always exciting to see. And you know what? This is a confidence booster, I think, too, for drivers like Tyler Reddick. He's come so close to getting a win in the Cup Series uh, that a lot of times you'll see a driver uh, come down to the Xfinity or the Truck Series get a win. And it really helps them come back to the Cup Series uh, and get better finishes, and maybe even that win
1: that they're looking for. Oh yeah, oh yeah, it does. You know, and even that one save by um by Josh Berry you know, to start off the 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 last stage, you know, it was it was amazing. You know how he was able to pull that save off. You know, and not get hit. You know, not get wrecked. You know, still, you know, be competitive. You know, at the end for the win.
0: Well, that is so true. Uh, do you want to go ahead and cover the um, points report?
1: Yeah, as far as points, we got uh, we got A.J. Allmendinger leading the points, uh, Noel Gregson in second, Ty Gibbs in third, Justin Algeyer in fourth, Josh Berry in fifth, and Brandon Jones round off the top six. And for those top six, we have, uh, looks like um, Ty Gibbs still has the most wins in the series with three, and the most um, playoff points at 17, with no Gregson right, behind him with 16. Uh, and then from there, then we go to uh, Sam Mayer in seventh, Riley Herbst at eighth. Austin Hill in 9th, Nanny Castle 10th, Brian Seag in 11th, Daniel Hamrick in 12th, and Anthony Alfredo is right there on the, uh, right there on the bubble in that 13th
2: spot. Okay, Are you here, Sharon?
0: Yeah, I'm here. I had to see oh,
2: my dog. Okay. <laughs>
0: okay. Uh, yeah, that's uh, pretty cool to see what's going on here in the Xfinity series. AJ Allmendinger has been having a good run, but you've got a couple of drivers that have two and three wins with Noah Gregson and Ty Gibbs. So you know when the playoffs begin, those drivers move to the top right away, especially with those extra playoff points that they're getting.
1: Oh yeah, it's just up to AJ you know, to try and capitalize and try and get some stage wins. You know, but, um you know, I mean, what he's doing, you know, I guess, I mean, just to get in, you know, is, you know, that's how a lot of these drivers want. They just want to get in, you know, and, you know, and then, you know, let, you know, then let it play out from there. But we've seen in the past how important those stage points are. Sorry, I need to put myself on
0: mute there again. Um, yeah, that is so true. Uh Some of the drivers... uh that are in that playoff bubble, uh, they've got a little ways to go. But uh, these guys, there's still some, some racing to go in this Xfinity Series, so uh, a lot of them will make up some of those points. Uh, but it, it's really tough. The competition is very tough this year in the Xfinity Series. Anthony Alfredo's uh, below the bubble, uh, 40 points out, I believe. Uh, from being able to uh, be in that top 12. Jeb Burton in 14th, he's 23 points behind Alfredo. And then Sheldon Creed, uh, 16 points behind Jeb Burton. Uh, These guys have a ways to go, but it's not impossible. Uh, If they get that win, it pops them right up into uh, that top 12 when the playoffs begin. As long as they're in the top twenty. They've got a
1: chance. Oh yeah. Just like uh um, Boston Hill sitting ninth in points, but he has that one win. So Austin's already got himself locked in, you know, so I mean, the rest of the season, mm-hmm. you know, it depends how he wants to play it. You know, he can play, it, you know, either safe or, or use it as a, as a time, you know, to get more acclimated to the car. So when the playoffs do start, you know, he's, you know, he's, um, you know, he's ready to rock and roll.
0: Exactly right, uh, and, and these all know it, and they're trying to do everything they can uh, to put themselves in position. Now, the next races are coming up at Charlotte Motor Speedway, at the a 1.5-mile track, and a lot of these drivers do pretty well on the 1.5-mile tracks. Uh, so uh, a lot can happen uh, that can change up these point standings in a short amount of time.
1: Oh yeah, that's one that's one thing for sure. We see it and we've seen it happen in the past too.
0: Yeah, we definitely have and that's where uh a lot of times one point can make a huge difference. I always think about uh Tony Stewart and Carl Edwards. Uh Tony Stewart had those five wins in ten races, uh and even though they were tied in series points, uh Tony Stewart got the victory or got the championship uh, because of the five wins that he had. So you never know when somebody's going to go on a streak of wins. Yeah, you never know when somebody's going to go on a streak of wins. I'm sorry. Okay, Sal, are you ready to move on to uh,
2: introducing
0: your guests?
6: Yeah. Okay.
0: And Sal I'm gonna let you do the entire interview and that way I'm gonna take care of my dog while you're doing that. <laughs> okay? okay.
4: Okay. Thanks.
0: He's not let me see he well, is here. So I'm gonna bring him into the queue right now. Okay. So you can go well, ahead our, and introduce guest, him.
1: Okay. Our guest for tonight is Dylan Zampa. We had him on a couple of weeks ago, talked about uh about his um involvement with the Kawiki development um driver program and, you know, what he's doing, you know, as far as racing and, and taking care of stuff like that. So we have Dylan back on this week. He he won the race Saturday night at Erringdale in the pro prolate division. It was a really good race. Um we we'll, we'll talk about it later on during the show, but um, gosh, it was really, really good uh played out race for the for the small field of pro-lates we have uh, a lot of good close racing. And uh, unfortunately only one can win can cross that line and happen to be Dylan's episode that we want to welcome Dylan to the, to the show. Welcome to the show, Dylan. Thanks for having me. So it was, it was a night, it was a night that I guess, gosh, what can you say from, you know, from the, from the start of it, the race, you know, um, you know, from your starting position, you know, to move up, you know, through the field and get that one top spot. But it wasn't so much the top spot. It was the fact, you know, that you got the race win. And it, and I know for you it was a big race win because of the the points that you need for the quickie uh, developmental program.
3: Yeah, so our mindset going into that race was just to uh, get the car uh, in the trailer in one piece, run our race, let the race come to us, and, Man, we had a, we had a rocket ship of a car all day. We unloaded really good on Friday. Didn't we, I don't think we touched it one bit all weekend, unloaded perfect. So, uh, going into qualifying, um, I knew that we had a really fast car. I wanted to save the tires as much as I could. So I pushed it like 85% in qualifying and we ended up P2, which I was happy with and pulled a three, which felt really good. I know I didn't have to work too hard. But uh, they made me work for it. I fell back to fourth at one point, and we worked our way all the way up to uh, second behind my brother. And we just started chasing him down. Um, And luckily, we got a late race caution with uh, five to go. And um, I just had a really good spotter up top. It was uh, Jeremy Doss. Uh, Late race uh, needed him for a spot, so I went over and asked him, and he uh, agreed to help me. So uh, just uh, big props to Jeremy Doss for uh, spotting for me that race. And, yeah, so... It came down to the last two laps where I had to pass my brother for the win, and that's always a little stressful knowing that uh, it's your brother. So um, I just tried to race him as clean as I could, and um, it worked out perfect. We got to his inside, and he he tried to get back by me, but uh, we had such a really good car that I was able to fend him off. You know, and actually, this this race, this
1: this time out at Ordo, it wasn't on the half mile, so I'm sure there was a lot more different race strategy, you know, that went into um – you know, to plan out this weekend since we're on the little smaller third mile. And then that third mile in terms three and four, you got that nasty bump out there that I know a lot of drivers, you know, they've talked to the track about, I know Tim, Tim has tried to fix it. I don't, I don't know what he's going to do, but maybe do some on the off season and maybe dig it out and try and, you know, flatten it out a little bit more. But when you see the cars go through it, you can see you guys bumping and, you know, do that, do that one spot.
3: Yeah, to me personally, or I've asked my brother about it, the bump actually makes good racing because it'll set your car up really good if you hit it just right. If you hit it just perfect every single lap, it'll bump your car and it'll it'll pitch it sideways and you can drive off. It's got good drive off. It makes the car turn even better. But there is, before that bump, like a car length, half a car length before that, there's um, a new bump that actually can end your night if you hit it. And that was that changed the line for everyone, so you had to enter a little bit higher and then come down into the bump off the core. So uh, that definitely changed the strategy a little bit. But the, later into the race, I hit it one time, and actually it it helped me. So I started hitting the bump, both bumps, and it I think it pick, we picked up like a tenth and a half every single lap on my brother when he was when he was leading the race. So I don't have a problem with the bumps. Uh, other drivers might, but um, I don't see a problem with it, but the the third mile, it, it's just so hard on tires, like on like lap five, you're already sideways, so it's just all about throttle control, a lot of people will just try to floor it, and it doesn't work at that track, so I had a good spotter up top to coaching me, he's one of the best at that third mile, every time we went there, I'm pretty sure he won uh, all three races last year, so I definitely had a good uh, spotter, driver, coach up on the top, teaching me teaching me the ways around that track. And I definitely think that helped me.
1: So as far as the, uh, um, the, uh, uh, development program, how, how, how big, how big was this win? You know, for the points and, you know, to help, you know, hopefully, you know, lock it in this
3: season. Yeah. So we've had a, we've had quite a few wins this, this, uh, this year so far. And, uh, going into that race, uh, we knew we had a good car. So we we're just going to try to come out with a with a with a decent finish and to win. Uh, definitely, definitely is a big points boost in the Kawiki points. But definitely the the fundraiser we did in the sands that race definitely uh, outdoes the points for the racing. So I I hope that that race uh, gave us a lot of points um and we're just looking for the we're, we're just looking forward to the next race which is going to be in two weeks at roseville again it's going to be another twin twin 35 lap race and i'm um, looking forward to getting back to that one uh we, are, we got logan's car in the garage already and we're already working on setting it up for kern for the next SRL race so his car is already finished and out of the shop so we can get my car in set it up for roseville race roseville and then come back to the shop. Set my car up and get it ready for the current race so um so tell us a little
1: about a uh, little bit about the fundraiser you had i know it's a 50-50 raffle and um, i know you've been doing this in all the tracks you know it gives the fans you know a chance to kind of interact with you plus it gives them a the chance to put you know a little bit of cash in their pockets
3: yeah so uh the only lucky thing is that last race well all the races it's just super hard to get to the stands And, um, it definitely sucks a little bit that I'm not the one that gets to pull, but my grandma does a great job she's the one that sits out front and uh, sells all the tickets and she's able, the fundraiser does stop right when my race starts so she can go up and watch it. So I, I appreciate my grandma and her new boyfriend. They just got engaged. I, I mentioned that when I won, so I'm super happy for them. Uh, their wedding's actually coming up really soon. So I'm looking forward to going to that. And the 50/50 raffle was to go to the Shepherd's Pantry, which is about five miles from the track. So it's always good that the track's right around the corner. I know that Tim can uh, just take all the money and drive right over there the day after the race. So it's always good to know that we can do something in the community wherever we race. Uh, that's just really my goal this year. Is just that wherever we race, that's just where I want to help. And I also do a lot of community service in my town also at the food bank. So I do a lot of community service this year. I definitely am doing a lot more than I did last year. So I'm definitely proud of myself, my team, just everyone that's helping me get to this point where we can do all these fundraisers. So I just couldn't do without all of them.
1: That, that's really neat because, you know, you know, it's, you know, you know, I, for people that, you know, at, at the end, you know, we'll give you a chance to, uh, you know, to to give a shout out to to where your um, social medias for people can follow this, but it's it's really neat, you know, you know to see you know doing stuff like this, you know, um, you know track to track, you know, and all your stops you make. But then there was also another another race that was involved this weekend, and it was the um, getting the chance to uh, to run the the super late in, in the in the actual spear Southwest Tour for um, for SPS Racing.
3: Yeah, so I just couldn't be uh, just happier with how we ended up finishing. We ended up coming out P6 when the race ended, but unfortunately, the 08 car got DQ'd for left side weight, so super bummed for, for him. For you know He's been really close to getting wins, and for him to get DQ'd, it definitely sucks. I don't want to see a racer get DQ'd like that, but uh, we ended up coming out P5 later in the day, so I'm super happy with how the the Sigma performance team did. They gave me a really good car. We unloaded, only got eight laps on Friday, which was a bummer. And then we only had an hour and 30 minutes on Saturday, and I only ran 25 laps. So I definitely didn't have a lot of experience like every other person that was running out there. So I just knew in my mindset that I just wanted to go out there learn as much as I could and uh, just bring the the car home in one piece. I didn't want to make the Sigma guys do a lot of work. But um, definitely – once I, started, once I got past the first, I I think we fell back to 15th at one point, made a pass, and I knew that the car was really good. So I I just told my spotter, I told Joe on the radio, I was like, I'm going to go for it let's see how far we can get. They all agreed, and um, we worked our way all the way up to 6th. We made a pass with 10 to go and got to 6th. So I'm super happy. Definitely I learned a lot that race. Um, I definitely think it's going to translate over into my pro late as well. The racing atmosphere is just completely different uh a lot crazier and um de- a lot of strategies go on into the super compared to the prolate so i'm definitely going to take all that that i learned put into the prolate and hope we can excel even more in our prolate division
1: so 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 climbing into the prolate you know kind of explained a little bit but what was it like to uh you know to get up there you know race against you know some of the you know some of the um uh You know some of the other drivers. You know the ones the ones that you're used to racing. You know you know week in and week out in the in the prolates, and also to get on a big half mile instead of you know instead of you know Joe giving your first start. Let's say like All American Speedway or Stockton.
3: Yeah. So the the competition was just stout that race. They had 22 cars, um, just a stout field. Definitely, when I got into the race. Um, I ran my practice line, and it wasn't really working out very well, and I was definitely observing a lot around me. My spotter was telling me where people were running, and I just started searching around the racetrack, and I found a couple lines that worked the best for the car, so that's when we started moving forward. We found the proper lines, and I just couldn't be happier with how the Sigma Performance team did set my car up. It was a perfect car. They worked with Preston Peltier. He won the All-Star Showdowns there in 2022. No, 2021, sorry. So they had really good notes on uh, what setup to run because the setup they ran there won the All-Star Showdown. So, um, you know, running up there with um, with Buddy Shepard, you know, he's a he's a veteran in the Supers, so he knows what he's doing. I got behind him. I saw what he was doing. Kale Kinky, he's a local at Irwindale. I saw what he was doing. Um, definitely seeing what other people were doing was helping me improve my driving still in a super to get around them.
4: Well, I
1: will I'll tell you in the you know, the whole weekend it was exciting, you know, to watch you race, you know, especially, you know, the prolate you know, the battle that you and your brother had, you know, in the in the closing laps, you know, to you know, get next to him, you know, and you know, see how clean you guys race each other, you know, nobody really got into you know, reminded me of a few races ago, you and Seth Wise you know, battling for the win, it was this you know, kind of the same thing, you know. On a on a the only difference was Kern was a half mile track and, and over here at Erndale was it was a third mile track, but still was just, it was a good battle between the you know, between you guys and and uh you know, showed a lot of talent, a lot of poise and, and a lot of patience, you know, not to take the other driver out, you know, just for the sake of the win.
3: Yeah, so personally that's what I think a race should look like, you know, nice, clean um nice and clean no door rubs i mean i don't think that's necessary like the kern race we we're on a half mile super sketchy um at those speeds and um i think that's what racing should look like uh you you set up your competitor you don't need to run into them to get by them so um i i love i love racing against my brother um i know he's a clean driver uh we we both have the same driver style passing wise so i know that when i get behind him Before he gets behind me, I know both of us are going to pass each other clean. And I'm really looking forward to getting back in the car in two weeks. Uh, we have a week off, which is, which is actually a sigh of relief for all of us, our crew, our family. We're just looking for a break, but really there's no break. We're just not racing this upcoming weekend, but we will still be working in the shop every day. So I'm just looking forward to getting back out there in two weeks.
1: And then you also, do you have a graduation coming up this week? Don't you?
3: No, not this week. I'll be graduating within uh, three weeks, but I'm looking forward to that also. I'm looking forward to getting my college life started. I'll be doing – I'll be uh, working – not working. I'll be going to my local college here in Napa, my JC. They have a phenomenal welding program. I'll uh, be in that, so I'll still be at home, uh, cranking the wrenches at home, still working. My brother will be going off to college, so he won't be racing probably halfway through the rest of the year. I think he's got one more, two more races before he goes off to college, so um, that's going to be a bummer uh, not seeing him at the racetrack. But um, I'm looking forward to getting the rest of the season going. We're we're on a we're on a good hot streak right now. Um, we've got five five wins in a row so far at Roseville. Um, we came off of uh, two victories the weekend before this this past Irwindale race, and I'm just looking forward to keeping the momentum going. Um, the team's doing a phenomenal job in the pits. My dad's doing a great job in the shop, keeping the car uh, well maintained. Uh, we're doing everything right right now, and I'm just looking forward to keeping it going. Well, that's neat. You know, I uh, you know that's one thing. You know, we
1: said um you know we well, a lot of times we we talk about short track racing. You know, is uh you know a lot of the cars. You know, they're not built in a big shop. You know, like you know, like like with a lot of fans are used to seeing, you know, at the bigger series, you know, a lot of these cars are built in in your own garage, you know, utilizing your garage and your driveway, whatever you can, you know, just to get the car ready, you know, for the next race, you know, and, uh, you know, your neighbors come out and see, you know, and I'm sure they come out and, you know, talk a little bit, you know, and then when you start it up, they probably get mad because of all the noise, you know, and, uh, but I mean, you know, when they see, you know, the, you know, young drivers, it's not just, you know, older guys just trying to, you know, upset them. You know, I'm sure they're more, uh, more willing to accept
3: it. Yeah. Our neighbors were, luckily we live in a, in a cul-de-sac. So all of our neighbors know what we do. They follow my mom on social media. They follow me, my dad, my brother. So they know what we do. So they know that, um, that we're going to be loud some night, but, uh, usually the, the 602 cars, uh, they don't put out a lot of power, so they're not super loud, so that makes it a lot easier for us at least. But uh, yeah, so we we just have a little tiny two car garage. Um, car sits on one side, so when we have the jacket up on the right side, the the jack handle is hitting the wall. So uh, definitely it's tough. But uh, if one car gets banged up and it needs to get fixed, uh, we'll pull we'll pull the one that's uh, that's all fixed that's already fixed it doesn't have a, any damage. We'll put that one in the garage to get set up, and the other one will be out in the the front yard and we'll be fixing anything that needs to be fixed either it being fiberglass repair uh, vinyl repair just all that little stuff that uh, needs to get fixed
1: that's that's neat now with that dylan i just want to say congratulations again on your win um good luck you know in the, in the upcoming races and if uh, there's any um uh um, any place where uh where our listeners to follow you at you know if you want to go ahead and um you know mention your uh, social media where you where, where they can find you at.
3: yeah so you can find me on facebook um at dylan zampa you can find me on instagram at dylan underscore Zampa, or you can find me on twitter at zampa underscore dylan that's neat and you know what we just want to say uh thanks again for coming on the show
1: and hopefully you know we can get you back on again and uh once again congratulations on the win and um you know, especially you know, uh, good luck. You know, going forward with the with the Kuala Key developmental program.
3: Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me. Okay, all right. Goodbye.
2: You there,
0: Yep, I'm here. That was a great interview, mm-hmm. and uh, I appreciate you uh, kind of taking the reins there uh, to allow me some time to kind of take care of my dog. Um, I w- I will say that. Uh, you know it's really cool to see him having such a great year along with uh Jacob Gomes. uh and I can't wait for him to come back again at some point down the road
1: here yeah well, uh you know we'll get him back on and, and you know it was a great it was a good interview with, with Dylan. you know a lot of uh a lot of things going on And, you know for being a young driver you know a lot going on in his life you know he said like you said you know he's gonna be graduating here in you know a few weeks and you know going to college, you know, learn welding, which is going to help them, you know, as far as, you know, work on the race cars, not only that, but then it's a trade, you know, that, you know, you can, if racing doesn't work out, you know, you always have something to fall back on, which is, which is always good to hear, you know, the younger drivers, you know, you know, hear them, you know, if they're, if they're looking out for more, you know, yeah, they all want to race, but, you know, they're looking out for their, you know, for their future and stuff.
0: Okay. Well, we've got to move on, Sal. We've got two more races we have to review here with the Open and the All-Star Race, the two biggest races of the weekend. So I don't want to cut it too short here. Uh, the race winner of the Open was actually Daniel Flores at the age of 30, uh, driving the number 99 for freeway insurance Chevrolet uh, for track house racing. His crew chief this week was uh, Travis Mack. Uh, he won... He, the All-Star Open, his second victory in the special non-point NASCAR Cup Series event. He also won in 2017. Uh, Ricky Stenhouse Jr. won Stage 1 in the Open that allowed him to transfer to the All-Star race, as did Chris Buescher, who won Stage 2 and moved on to the All-Star race. And Eric Jones won the NASCAR fan vote. Uh, they gave him the ticket into the all-star race at T- Texas Motor Speedway. Uh, now, uh, I'm, I want to stick to the open here. It was Kyle Bush who won the poll for the all-star race, but it was Tyler Reddick who won the poll for the all-star open with a speed of 186.981 miles per hour. Um So uh, that was cool to see. Uh, I don't really have any other information here. Okay, he won the final stage. Daniel Suarez won the final stage of the NASCAR Open. Uh, There were four lead changes among four drivers, Uh, four cautions for eight yellow flag laps, and the average speed of the race was 82.518 miles per hour. Uh, the actual results: the top uh, five were Daniel Flores, Austin Dillon, Justin Haley, Cornelia Joy, and Eric Jones. The next five drivers were Ty Dillon, Cole Custer, Todd Gilliland, Cody Ware, and Garrett Smithley. Any thoughts there? The average oh, the margin of victory was one point three nine three seconds. Your thoughts about the top ten there?
1: Yeah, you know I. <laughs> It's funny. I I, I kind of missed that race, so I didn't really see it. But you know, to see, um, you know, like you mentioned, you know, uh, Daniel Suarez, you know, get the win, and then you know, it's you know, it's neat to see once again, you know, these, you know, not one of the bigger teams, you know, whether whether it's the a short race, it doesn't matter. It, it's still a it's still a NASCAR Cup race. The competition is still the same across the board. It's just a fewer laps. But, you know, to see him, you know, get the win in it, you know, it's it's huge for, you know, for not only him but for the team, you know. I mean, gosh.
0: Exactly. Um, So, yeah, it was really good to see those guys uh, be able to advance Daniel Suarez to win that uh, All-Star Open and uh, to be able to race. Uh, into the all-star race itself. Uh, Okay, now I want to get into the all-star race. Uh, The winner there was uh, Ryan Bohini at the age of 28, driving the number 12 Menards Wrangler Ford for Team Penske and his crew chief Jonathan Hassler. He won the $1 million uh, in that all-star race. It was his first victory uh, in that event. It's an on-point event. Uh, He's the 26th different driver to win the NASCAR All-Star Race. Uh, This is the fourth victory in the All-Star Race for Team Penske. Uh, Joy Logano uh, also won it in 2016. Kurt Busch in 2010 and Ryan Newman in 2002. Denny Hamlin finishing runner-up. Uh, in the All-Star Race for his first second-place finish in that event. Austin Cindric finishing third uh, at Texas for his first top-five finish and first appearance in the All-Star Race. It's also the 13th victory for Ford in the NASCAR All-Star Race. And Kyle Busch won Stage 1, Austin Cindric won Stage 2, and Ryan Blaney won Stage 3, in the NASCAR All-Star Race. Um, Ryan Blaney, uh, let's see. Let's see here. Uh, Ryan Blaney won his first career All-Star Race Sunday night at Texas Motor Speedway to earn that $1 million payday uh, in the annual fan-favorite non-points-rate-paying event. He and his team celebrated twice because Blaney's number 12, uh, Team 54, to ultimately beat Denny Hamlin it, in the number 11 for Joe Gibbs by .266 seconds of an over, uh, of a second in an overtime finish. But at one point, Blaney thought he may have taken the checkered flag. Uh, he, when the caution flag flew the first time, he was approaching the uh, finish line in regulation only seconds before he crossed the line. So under the normal rules, the race would have been over, but there are special rules for the All Star race, so it wasn't over. Whiny um, won uh, that race, but uh, yeah, we'll talk more about that during our hot topic segment. Uh, but uh, uh, there were uh, quite a few drivers there um, that uh, wanted to be in that top ten. Uh, We mentioned uh, the top three. Joey Logano came in fourth. Daniel Suarez, who raced his way into the event, finished in fifth place, followed by Alex Bowman, A.J. Almendinger, Chris Buescher, who also raced his way in, finished eighth. (coughs) Then it was Brad Keselowski and Christopher Bell rounding out the top ten there. Your thoughts about the all-star race?
1: Yeah, I I, think it was a good race. I, I really liked it. You know what, Ryan Blaney, you know, um, you know, came out on top, you know, like you said, you know, there was a, there's a, an incident, you know, that, that, you know, Danny, Danny Hamlin cried about, but you know what, in the end, you know, I, <laughs> whether NASCAR made the right car or not, you know, that, that doesn't matter. The thing is that Ryan Blaney has a million dollars richer today, you know, and, um, you know, it was, uh. It was a good Hotly contested race Austin Cedric Was looking good There for a while too It's good to see him You know Get a You know A top three Out of it You know Podium finish You know Being the You know Actually the highest Finishing rookie Of the Of the event So Man I felt You feel bad For Kyle Busch After he dominates it And then You know You know It was a Ross Chastain's fault You know What happened You know He ran over Kyle You know And ended his day um, but, uh, you know, in, in the end, um, you know, the youth, the youth, uh, the youth prevailed.
0: Yes, indeed. Uh, there were several drivers who did have accidents. Eric Jones, who won the fan vote, uh, had an accident in the news day on lap 103. Kyle Bush, uh, involved in an accident, uh, along with Ross Rochester and Chase Elliott, they all ended their day on lap 47. And Kyle Larson had an accident that uh, stopped his day at lap 36. So those were the drivers that run into problems during the all-star race. Uh, a lot of people had those drivers picked for the win.
1: Oh, yeah, I'm sure they did. You know, but you got to remember, this is, uh, you know, it's not like any other race that we run during the season, so i mean its it's wide open as to who you know who can win it, you know, and uh you know, so I mean you know it's it, it's all it's all up in the air
0: yes indeed i I totally get it, um but these drivers uh put on a good show, and uh it was fun to watch two hours, two minutes, and forty seven seconds uh for the all star race. At Texas Motor Speedway Uh, Now I do have uh, A little bit of race audio here Let me see how long it is Uh, From Scott Miller The length is six minutes Yeah we're not going to be able to listen to all of it So I was hoping I'd have time to play that uh, Because a lot of people Had questions about What took place uh, You know why uh, A question was called I know he said uh, This uh, they take uh, full ownership of the fact that they probably called one of those cautions a little prematurely um, and that, uh, you know, they did take some safety precautions with the window net, uh, gave some extra laps uh, for Ryan Blaney to get that window net secured. When they thought that he probably did have it secure, uh, they went on with the race. I, I know Denny Hamlin had some issues with that. Uh, but it seems like Danny Hamlin has issues after every
1: race anymore. I was I was just gonna say the same thing. <clears throat> Danny Hamlin is nothing he's an issue himself. <laughs> I mean, he is I just there's always something and and whenever something's going on, you know that you know that the H the H driver is behind it, you know, and it's, and it's not Hendrick Motorsports, you know, it's it's Danny Hamlin, you know, he just He's a whiner, and you know, and man, yeah. he used to not worry about when NASCAR does what happens, to worry about his own race. And he might have been able to do something enough you know, to win it, but I know he was just so focused on that window net. I know, wonder. The, you
0: know. I wonder if he would have felt the same way about it had it been him that thought the race was over oh. and did the same exact thing that Ryan Blaney did.
1: Well, he would have. He would have done the same thing. Except he had cried and complained, Oh well I was already over the line. You know, you gotta you know, you can't go back and you know, take a win away. He oh, he would have it would have been all over.
0: Yeah, yeah. But uh anyway, it uh was a lot of fun doing the show with you here tonight, so um and uh I know it's gonna be a hot topic, uh in our uh, 10 o'clock uh, segment, uh, as I mentioned earlier, we've got, uh, Jay Huseman coming on board along with Andy Lassie and Tommy Kraft. So here's all the hot topics from this weekend of racing. So looking forward to that. Uh, your appearance at Irwindale Speedway this weekend is very much appreciated, uh, in bringing the guest, and Zampa on board. And, um, uh again you know, just having that first hand knowledge of what took place in the SRL races. Uh, not only with Dylan but with Jacob Holmes as well.
1: Yeah. It was uh you know, it was a deep deal to see Jacob, you know, go up there, you know, and help you know, help him out the way he did. Um you know, I'm sure you know you know, he you know like to say, you know, Jacob's won a lot on that third mile, you know, so it was, you know, that was probably, you know, what what could have catapulted them, you know, into the into the spot where you finished.
0: Okay, uh, that sounds good. And um, Sal always enjoy doing the show with you. Next Tuesday, once again, I just want to remind everybody we are not doing a Monday night show next week. It will be on Tuesday. May the thirty-first at eight thirty p.m. Eastern Time. Sal and I will be right back here on Fan Racing Radio. So once again, Sal, uh, thanks for being here, and we will look forward to talking to you next Tuesday.
1: All right, thank you, everybody. Everyone have a good night, and uh, we'll talk to you. Uh, have all well, have a safe have a safe weekend too, and we'll see everybody. Enjoy the um,
0: Memorial Day.
1: Yeah, enjoy your Memorial Day weekend.
0: Okay. Okay. Thanks, Sal. Good pal. night. Good night. Good night. All right. Uh, folks are coming on board here for our hot topic. Sound doc. We've got our first person here. Um, and I'm not sure I recognize the numbers, so you'll have to identify yourself. (laughs) Whoops. Yeah, that was Sal that dropped off. So you're in the queue. Who's here?
7: Oh, it's me, it's Thomas. Hey, how are you? How are y'all doing tonight?
0: (laughs) Real good, Tommy. We're looking forward to uh, talking to you about Hot Topic Sound Off here tonight. We're expecting Jay Huseman to also come on board here along with Andy Lasky. Uh, so, and there's Jay. We'll bring him into the queue. Uh, okay, Jay, you're on, you're online.
6: All right. Sorry about that. Uh, a little bit late here. I was uh, discussing things with uh, with Mike. I know Mike's not going to be able to be here tonight. Uh have some opinions of his that I'll share as well and why I disagree with them. but uh, now Mike yeah. and I have a little bit of a sidebar there. <laughs> okay.
0: Okay. So uh, I know uh, we hit on one of those topics at the end of our uh, review segment uh, and how kind of gave some of his thoughts as well. Let's start with the Denny Hamlin comments after the uh, uh, race, the all-star race and the Ryan Blaney victory. I do have, while we're waiting for Andy to show up, I want to kind of start this off with some audio that I have post-race from Scott Miller. Uh, He is the uh, senior vice president of competition at uh, NASCAR. And uh, it's about six minutes long.
4: Let's hear what he had to say. Um, Sure. Yeah, so so obviously I think, you know, everybody, you know, knows that we probably prematurely called that yellow flag.
3: Um,
4: You know, the way that works in
5: the tower
4: is that we're all watching around the racetrack and, Um, we make the, you know, obviously the race director who has the button and makes the call is the final say of when the yellow gets put out. We all watch and we saw the car and mentioned the car against the wall, riding the wall down the back straightaway. And the race director looked up and I'm not sure what he saw, but he immediately put it out. So, um, Wish we wouldn't have done that, but we did that, and uh, we'll, we'll own that we probably prematurely uh, put that caution out. What about the situation? Eddie Hamlin was pretty frustrated. He said it was a safety situation. NASCAR always talks about that. What were the decisions
2: made by
4: NASCAR there? So, um, you know, again, I think obviously Ryan Blaney thought he won the race, um, another byproduct of kind of special rules of the All-Star because every other race that we do besides this one, he would have won the race when the caution flag came out. So they were celebrating. He put the window net down. We saw him struggling to get it back up. But coming, uh, he was warming his tires back and back on the back straightaway. You can clearly see both hands on the wheel warming the tires up. The window net was up. No way for us to know if he got it 100% latched or not, and at that point in time, no way we can be certain that he didn't get it latched. So there's no way we can call him out there at that time. (laughs) Um, Well, that would have that would really have kind of gone out of character and been out of anything else that we have ever really done. So um, there was some speculation about doing that up there but i think uh, you know like i said um we saw it and we no way we would have could have known that it was uh latched properly or not but that, that's where we are on that one if it was hanging down on the door um, we, we would have if he couldn't if he couldn't get it to where it was up and we had some doubt that it was, you know, latched, then we would have had to do something with like it because we wouldn't have allowed him to start if it was just laying down on the door. Would you have thought about, you know, bringing a man, having a big and because it is a special situation race, right, give it back where he was at? Did you that's, think that, that's what that's what Bob asked just a second ago. Um, yeah, we speculated about doing that, but that would have been pretty out of character to bring someone down the road and then put him back in the
5: that, that they came out of, and, and of the, the do, the it's gonna get a lot of attention during the week said sure, sure. NASCAR is gladly going to let you debate the win of
4: that so as you don't reflect on how ridiculous that yellow flag situation was as lady was crossing the finish line to win no, we're not we don't, we don't deflect from anything we, we're pretty much on what we do so I would have this dispute tell me your So, so one of the things that we get, so here's there's a little bit of insight for you all. So, we do the same, you know, I think I've been at NASCAR for seven years, and we've operated under the same rules for races, you know, a little tweaks here and there, but pretty much the way that we operate the tower, the things that happen on the track, you know, it's, we we do the same thing over and over and over again. And every Tuesday, almost without fail, a situation crops up that we need to talk about, that we we learn from. And doing the same thing over and over again, and we still learn, and still learn how to do things better. And then when we institute all these special rules that we always get asked to do, where, yeah, I mean, honestly, we're kind of, Setting ourselves up and the competitors up for problems like what we saw tonight. And I, I wish we could operate all-star races a little bit more under kind of no, our normal guidelines. You make big ever sit down
5: and think, well, maybe as you make them, we should be careful because as you look at this, you go back, look at another crazy race, and you're like, well, maybe
4: that'll be hard to. Well, we looked at
0: at NASCAR and uh, uh, his thoughts uh, after the incident on uh, at the All-Star race and Denny Hamlin's comments. So uh, first of all, Andy has now joined us, uh, so welcome to the show, Andy.
8: Thank you, Sharon. How are you doing tonight?
0: Uh, doing really well. We're going to start with Jay, though and his comments uh, after listening to the post-race audio uh, from uh, Scott Miller, and uh, we brought up the topic of uh, Denny Hamlin's comments after the race. So, Jay, you can get us
6: started. Okay, Sharon, I want to clarify something here, what the topic is, because there's several from Scott Miller's audio uh, that it could fall under. You're just saying Denny Hamlin's comments (laughs) itself? Uh, and yeah, the,
0: let's go with any Hamlin's comments, and
6: uh, okay,
0: as it relates to Scott Miller's comments.
6: Okay, um, you know, and and actually, uh, I didn't get to actually watch the race. Uh, I listened to some of it on the radio. I see all the social media stuff, and I talked to my mom this afternoon, and she had watched it, and she said that as far as you could tell, Blaney had gotten it hooked up, which is what Scott Miller had uh had said now was it a hundred percent secure the way it's supposed to be i personally highly doubt it i know drivers have said that from the inside while you're strapped in the car you really can't but as scott miller said with the video footage they had it was up he was not holding it up while he was driving we've seen that in the past and that's what my mom pointed out was that it was up on its own um so I think they made the right call, unless they were going to make the exception. I know it got brought up. Bring him to pit road, double check it, and then give him his spot back. They didn't have the evidence to say it is not secure. I, and I know Joey Logano jumped in there. First off, uh, you know Blaney, Logano, I think both said, hey, if I were in second – and I could find a way to get the guy in front out of the race and win a million dollars, I'm going to say whatever, you know, <laughs> it's raining, you know, whatever. Okay. Exactly. So they, they, they all acknowledge that. They understand that. Danny, I think, uh, how do I say this? Get through the crying and whining of not winning, uh, however you want to put it. Yeah. The question of safety is there. And, and that's where I think maybe, they should have made that exception, as he said. It's a it's a special event. It's for the fans. Safety is always a concern. Yeah, bring him in and double-check it. If it's fully secure or whatever, give him his spot back. You know, I mean, they, they could have done it differently. And like I said, I think they made the right call based on what they saw and what they could tell. So I think they made the right call as far as that. The safety thing does kind of concern me, but and this is a discussion that I was just having with Mike, and it pertains to so many things. You're not going to please everybody. You're not going to make everybody happy. they got to make a call. Um, and if there's something they did wrong when it comes to throwing the yellow, they'll learn from it and, and evaluate it. So I, I think that under the circumstances, I think they made the right call.
0: Okay,
8: Andy, you're up next. Yeah, you're always going to see controversy around situations like this. I haven't even seen the race yet, so I'm not 100% sure what happened, but it sounds like Blaney's window net came down, and then he was able to resecure it. Is that correct in what happened? Yeah, he
0: thought the race was over, uh, and under normal conditions, that race would have been over, but because this is a special event, they have different rules, and so when he realized that he had not yet won the, won the race and he had to, uh, they were going to do another restart, an overtime restart, he was in the position now of trying to get that window net back up. He saw his team celebrating, so, you know, he, he really thought he had won the race already, but it wasn't over, and that's why he was in the position of trying to get that window net up himself. So, yeah, that's basically it. Denny Hamlin, of course, was not happy about it. He felt it was special consideration uh, that was not due and uh, that he should have been black by for not having his window net up.
8: So he made
0: some comments about that after the race.
8: Oh, I see, because basically the All-Star race has to finish under green, and I think there was a caution right before the checkered flag. I did see that part, so, okay, right. now I understand. Now I understand what happened. Well, I mean, <clears throat> yeah, Hamlin's going to react that way because he wanted to win the race, right? And when things, you know, mm-hmm. don't go the way you want them to, you're going to be you're going to be upset about that. So, of course, you know, he's going to say that Blaney should have been black-flagged and this and that, but you know, I think NASCAR got it right from from the standpoint of they felt confident that that Blaney had the window net up. And, and let him finish the race. I think, you know, from what I have seen, Blaney was the fastest car, deserved to win that race, and I think if anyone else had won that race, it would have been an even greater tragedy than, than what they did by letting him stay out there. So um, I think they got it right. I think you just have to, you know, let him race, and I, I think obviously if there was a safety concern, they would have brought him in, but they didn't feel there was one he was able to get the window net secured. They did the the green white checker and then they finished the race. So, um, you know, like I said, I think it would have been an even bigger shame if, if, um, you know, he hadn't been able to, to finish the race and somebody else had won because the 12 car was for sure. The car that should have won the race last night from one of I've been able to see from it. So, you know, when things like this happen, there's always going to be differing opinions, and there's always going to be, you know, some controversies around it. I think that's kind of what happens with these all-star races sometimes because this isn't normal officiating. This isn't normal rules. Things are a little bit different. And sometimes when you have events like this, you have these weird scenarios happen. But um, I think I think ultimately they got it right. I think the race finished how it was supposed to finish. And, um, you know, thankfully uh, – Thankfully, the right guy won the race, and I think that's what we have to, to be thankful for, certainly, um, that Ryan didn't get the win taken from him. Um, I am curious to know why the caution came out with only a few seconds left in the race. I guess you guys probably know better than I do. but. Um, uh, well, Scott yeah, Miller, uh,
0: just so you know, Scott Miller said that they felt like the, the caution was called prematurely. Um, okay. The guy the race director had his finger on the button or he saw something and pushed the button. Uh, in retrospect, they recognized that it was a premature call and they, um, uh, take ownership of that, but they do sit down and review these things. So, but that's what it was.
8: Okay. And you know, and the good thing is, you know, reviewing something like that, they'll, they'll probably make improvements and get it right moving forward. But, um, at the end of the day it's it's good that Ryan didn't get cheated out of the win and and they can all uh move on from there
0: okay, Tommy, what are your thoughts about this
7: so um I agree with what Andy's saying um I'm glad Ryan won the race because um i mean there's there's just a whole lot to hit on this whole topic with uh in regards to this um whole all-star race, but I I cut it on right when Kyle Larson uh, had a flat tire, and then Ross Chastain flew over Kyle Busch, literally. Um, Kyle Busch had the best car up until that point until he wrecked, from what I saw, and even Kyle Larson said this was Kyle Busch's race to lose. That's how good his car was. And then after Kyle Busch wrecked, Ryan Blaney had the next best car. So um, I agree with Ryan Blaney winning. Um, in regards to the caution, um, from what I've read on Twitter and saw, because after the, like, fourth, third or fourth stage, I actually I just cut it off. I didn't realize that the final stage was going to be 50 laps, and, um, you know, just couldn't finish it. But anyway, um I didn't get to see the caution, but from what I saw on Twitter, it was a uh, a mythical caution. I think Ricky Stenhouse had, like, a flat tire or something, and they threw the caution literally as Ryan Blaney was, like, crossing the line to win it. So he dropped his window net, which, you know, if you've seen, like, the YouTube stuff on NASCAR and everything, because I, I don't remember it, but I've seen it. Mark Martin dropped his window net with one lap to go at Bristol, and obviously he didn't win the race. So Danny Hamlin's talking about black flagging for safety concerns, but either way, it would have taken the win away from Blaney, and then he would have gotten it. And um, if you did watch race, like I said, Kyle Bush and Blaney had the dominating cars. It was going to be one of them that was going to win it. So glad that Ryan Blaney won it. Um, let's chunk Texas as the all-star race, and let's get rid of that format. Uh, it's time for a change again.
0: Okay, that's another hot topic that we'll get to. Um, But as far as my thoughts, uh, I kind of feel like you got to take those comments for what they are. Uh, These are guys that if they can eliminate the guy who won the race, it puts especially Denny Hamlin. Uh, right into position to win that million dollars. Uh, so I suppose he's going to say something. The problem with Denny Hamlin right now is he's got something to say after just about every race. Uh, and it starts to get old, I think. We have talked about it all the time. First time's an accident. First time's uh, an accident, second time's coincidence, and by the time you do it the third time, it's becoming a habit. And in this case,
2: uh,
0: I'm not sure where Denny Hamlin's coming from that he feels he's got to put something out there for NASCAR uh, to have controversy after every race. Um, but he's doing that, so I think he's entered that habit area, uh, and I don't know that it's a very good habit. I think it's, it's probably not. Um, some things that are, are, are worth noting. I get that, and. Uh, I know that there's a lot of comments, and we'll get to that too about this all star race uh but that has uh, that had more to do i think with him coming in as the runner up and uh losing that door of opportunity for him to win that million dollars um as far as Scott Miller in the comments uh I think it's very hard for NASCAR in some of these situations. And, and Scott Miller brought it up. They have special rules uh, that apply to the all-star race uh, that are a little bit different than the rules that are put in place for the point-paying races. So um, that's something that uh, a lot of people, I think, are overlooking. And uh, in, in he, again, Scott Miller said it, Ryan Blaney thought that race was over, and any other race, it would have been over with that yellow flag. Uh, So when he realized uh, that he made that mistake uh, and was in the position of trying to get that up, again, NASCAR did everything they could. They saw him struggling to get the window net up. They saw that he was trying to to make it right again, Um, and they did not start the race. They did not restart the race until they saw him warming up his tires with both hands on the wheel. So that was an indication to them when he had both hands on the wheel. It was an indication to NASCAR that he had that window net up um, and uh, that they could go back to racing again. So... Uh, They didn't have any way of knowing whether or not it was 100% secure, and they acknowledged that. But the fact that he had both hands on the wheel was an indication uh, that he had done everything he could do in the car, and uh, they were were ready to get that race started again. Um, The one thing that I do like that NASCAR does is the fact that they sit down, and he said it's every Tuesday, uh, they sit down and they go back over uh, things that have happened, uh, because, they, as he pointed out, they can't anticipate every little thing that can happen. So the only way they can review those things is after they happen. And so after they happen, they sit down and review it and talk about what can they do differently to make it better for the next time. And they're they're just never in a position that they can actually anticipate all of the different things that can happen. So, um I think they do the best they can. They're never going to satisfy everybody 100%. Everybody's always going to have something to say. But I think they did the best they could in this particular situation uh, to get the brace uh, going again. They acknowledged the mistake in calling the yellow prematurely, uh, and they'll look at that and see how they can avoid that from happening, happening again. So I say kudos to NASCAR. I think they did everything they could in this situation uh, with minimal effect to the race uh, results. So, and I know there's different ways of looking at that depending on if you're Denny Hamlin or Ryan Blaney. But um, Jay, your follow-up thoughts.
6: Well, and I was going to read Mike's here on under this topic Uh, it says it's not not sure exactly what changes Hamlin wants to see hopefully it's more structured than just a general they need to do better Uh, the article (laughs) Mike gets his jab in here the article highlights problems with the broadcast product uh, so that's definitely one area for that seems to be a growing consensus on as that's been one of Mike's uh, soapboxes if you will we won't go into that, mm-hmm. but but that's where the discussion between Mike and I um, goes to. There's a difference between saying, hey, what can we do better versus, hey, you're doing this wrong. You're doing this wrong. Provide a solution. Provide some help, um, not just the yeah. finger pointing of what's wrong. And Mike would know this term. Uh, uh, Andy, I don't know if you're familiar with it. We called in the military a hot wash. Like uh, Scott Miller was saying, on Tuesdays, you go back, you review. Talk about what went right, what went wrong, what can we do better, what do we need to change, uh, and I think NASCAR does do a good job of that. I know uh, Tommy already brought it up. We got a couple other, like I said, there's a lot within just Scott Miller's mm-hmm. interview where, where the where the All Star should be raised, what, how the format. Okay, they're going to review all that. So yeah, that and having fan input isn't my issue. It is the way that input is and whether or not it is truly from fans or just people that are on Twitter that want to stir the pot and complain. I want to make sure I use the right words here. I used a couple earlier uh, with Mike. I I don't like, but uh, I'd used them just the whining and the crying versus, Hey, let's look at this. Can we do this better? What about this idea? There's a difference in that. There really is. Mm -hmm. So, And I think that NASCAR, you know, has to filter through all that and look at, okay, you know, I might keep saying, you know, don't just dismiss it. I'm not saying dismiss it. I'm saying dismiss them, (laughs) not what they're saying necessarily or to look at what they're saying. It's just a matter of dismissing them. Um, uh, So that's my biggest thing is, as Sharon, as you mentioned it, it's gotten to the point where Denny Hamlin has something to say in that manner after every race uh you know think about the the old story of the the boy who cried wolf you know i mean you do it so Mm -hmm. many times yeah people are gonna quit listening to you because it's oh it's denny hamlin just crying again um so that's where i think it needs to be i know he's part of I don't Is he part of that council? Uh, I want to say he is, you know, that's the format where you bring it in a positive way and, and get all kinds of input and build the best scenario. And, and Scott put a definitely hit on it. I think to the safer barriers, they put them everywhere. They thought a car could get to and hit a wall. Somebody always found a spot to hit a wall where there wasn't <laughs> one. And they're like, how did that happen? You know? So, you know, they try their best to, to come with every possible scenario and the last thing with the hitting the button, the caution. Um, yeah, that's, again, split-second decisions. Uh, I haven't seen the video. My mom said that there was a car up in the wall or Ricky Stenhouse had a tire, whether there was smoke or something that they felt, you know, again, in that split second um, that they thought it was going to need to be responded to and was going to be the caution. As it turned out, maybe it didn't. They've already acknowledged that. But again, I can't say I blame them because that's a split second decision, and you want to be safe. And there again, you want to give fans the green-white checkered under green. They do that, then the fans complain. You don't do it, they complain. So uh, I think it was Marcus Smith I added to this one of the discussions. You can't please everybody. And Sharon, it's coming up on time.
0: Oh my goodness! One topic here, we're already on time. Okay, it was probably the hottest topic, though, one of the hottest. We are at that time of the show where, for those people that are tuning in for the first time, we want to just let you know that we are going to go off the air at exactly 10.30 p.m. Eastern Time. But we are going to continue our conversation, and we will record that conversation as part of our bonus overtime material that is available on our podcast. If you've listened up to this point, all you have to do uh, is once I come out on Twitter to let you know that we've completed our conversation and the podcast is now available, is you fast forward to the two-hour mark, and that will allow you to hear the rest of the conversation. Uh, We just didn't want you to be... Caught off guard and not know how you can hear the rest of the conversation. Uh, we wanted to give you a clear understanding of what's uh, kind of going on, especially if this is the first time that you're tuning in. So with that, uh, Andy, uh, what, what is, were you done, Jay?
6: Yeah, I, 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 so. I was done, uh, you know, yeah, no, I, w- I was definitely done there, uh, you know, again, we could c- carry on another half hour, an hour on that topic alone, oh. but I think we could move oh, to no. another one.
0: Okay, uh, Andy, your follow-up thoughts?
8: Um, Nothing to really add to this one, pretty much said what needs to be said, um, you know, I think that ultimately they can go back and look at ways to improve processes and decisions, and. And hopefully that makes for a better product moving forward.
0: Exactly. Tommy, did you have any follow up?
7: No, not really. Um, just glad it Ryan by anyone.
0: Yeah, I just I just wanted to uh, uh in defense of the guy that hit the uh caution button a little too quickly. Um you guys will recall earlier this year uh, NASCAR was blamed for not calling a caution when I forget who it was, Coriola Joy or somebody uh, was on the backstretch and uh, had an issue and there was no caution called and everybody wanted to know where was NASCAR why didn't they call it. Um, So in defense of this guy, uh, he he probably did not want to be, you know, he, he called that shop as, as quickly as he could. So uh, sometimes NASCAR is wrong no matter what they do. So I do think that parents need to remember they're the ones who asked NASCAR to, to be more diligent about that. Uh, in this case, they weren't very diligent, uh, maybe overly diligent, uh, but they called it when they thought there might be an issue there. So um, uh, I have to... I have to say at least uh there there was some backstory to that I think uh that may have precipitated that guy from hitting the button as quickly as he did and and we'll go on with the other topics because I know we have more uh Jake, what else do you want to add to this conversation uh, for us to
6: discuss? Um, okay, so moving to a new topic, or still on the just Denny Hamlin?
0: Well, it doesn't have to be still on Denny Hamlin. You said there's a lot within the Scott Miller segment.
6: Okay, um, let's see. The other one that was that was tying into to, to that one to me was talking about the rules, the especially the green white checkers um, mm-hmm. rule. So my question on there was, is there too many special rules or changes, the all-star race that confuses everybody going from teams, drivers, broadcasters, officials, uh, and especially the fans. When we look at the format of the all, uh, I know it changes every year. And I think this is where I put the one from Marcus Smith underneath as well. um, That they, you know, when they look at it, let me see if I can scroll up here. And yeah, I think it was, um, you know, nobody wants to see things stay the same. It gets stale, but then they don't like change, uh, is how Marcus Smith put it. So, but the question, question is, and I heard it on Race Hub with uh, Jamie McMurray as one. I know that that input. Is, is there too much confusion and change when it comes to the all-star format um, that nobody really even knows what's going on?
0: Okay. Um, Andy, your thoughts about that?
8: I'm sorry. Uh, can you rephrase the question real quick? I had to. I was having to do something real quick. Sorry. What was the question?
6: Is is there too many rules and changes when it comes to the special event like the All Star Race that teams don't know? Just for example, of the green white checkered, Blaney thought he had won because that's how races are normally won. Um, broadcasters said they weren't even sure during a couple of spots. I guess um, what was happening, and I know Jamie McMurray during the. Uh, race hub preview of it made the comment even back when he won his uh all-star race and i don't remember what year it was you know the format of of what he said you just go out there you race to the front and from there they'll tell you where you're going to line up and you know what points you get or however the format is that year but is it too confusing and too much i guess is the question so,
8: gotcha yeah my apologies um no that's a valid question and it's a valid point too because if you look at the history of the all-star race there's constant changes and there's changes from year to year. So nothing has ever stayed the same. I don't think in the last 21 years that I've been watching the sport that we've seen an all-star race be the same format under the same rules from year to year. I think they've constantly changed it and it's constantly evolved. And that's not necessarily a bad thing because the all-star race is a non points exhibition race that is supposed to be a special event with any special event comes special rules, um, special circumstances and whatnot. But I think it wouldn't be a bad idea to maybe simplify the the rules and the process of these races and, and maybe make it somewhat more well-known. I'm not sure how they facilitate giving these rules or, or instructions to the teams, but certainly when industry people are confused at the format of an, of an event, that's that's probably an issue, whether it be a team or, you know, a race broadcast craft or whoever the case may be. So um, is there a way they can make that better? Probably because we we see, you know, constant changes with these races. And I, I do think that, you know, maybe – if they can streamline and simplify the process for for making these rules and and make it more easier to to understand and make it more um, readily available to teams ahead of time to try to understand what the rules are, then maybe that would be a good scenario. Um, I I do think that it's, it's, you know, as as it aligns with this topic, I do think that – the all-star race rules change too much. They change every single year. Um, I don't think it's a bad idea to tweak stuff occasionally, but, you know, maybe, you know, try to find a simple format that works and stick with it for a while, you know, and and go from there. So um, certainly, yes, there's a way that they can try to make this easier for the teams and everyone to to better understand what the rules are, what the format's going to be, and ultimately how the race is set to be run.
0: Okay, Tommy, your thoughts.
7: Yes, I think it definitely does need to be simplified. Um, I just don't think Texas works as the all-star race. That's my personal opinion. Maybe if they did, you know, review, like they said, and tweaks and things that um, it, it could improve. And, uh, you know, I'm certainly fine for that option happening. But, um Honest thoughts are this since so I'm fine with the Bush Clash being at um the LA Coliseum or uh if they bring the bud shootout back to Daytona, I'm fine with that because then you have the full week of the bud shootout starting it and then ending on Sunday, you know, the whole speed week is back instead of not having it. Um or a shorter speed week I should say. Anyway, my point about that is is the all-star race used to be that in Charlotte. You would do the all-star race one Sunday, and then the next Sunday would be the Coca-Cola 600. You'd have a whole week at Charlotte. Um, To me, that makes sense to go back to that. And um, logistically, it would make more sense, too, to bring it back to Charlotte. You know, maybe they could do the road course instead of doing the – you know the, the you know do the all star open and all star race on the road course instead of the oval, but there's so many possibilities to with this. I just don't see where Texas is working. I mean, social media is huge in today's world, and people were not happy on Twitter yesterday. And I myself, I'm gonna be honest, I took the weekend off. Texas is that disappointing to me. That's just my personal opinion. I can't think of the last time Texas put a good put on a good race or a good the highlight of the race last night in my opinion wasn't a highlight it was Ross Chastain jumping Kyle Bush in his car literally jumping his car and it was a crash. That was probably the most exciting thing that happened during the all-star race and that's bad when it's a crash. And, I mean, Kyle Larson said it right when he got out of his car. It was Kyle Bush and Blaney's um, race to lose. And the reason why is because they were the leaders the whole race. Nobody could pass them. There was no passing. It just, I don't know, maybe, I mean, even before the last two or three races at Texas, they keep on applying surface stuff to it to make the racing more exciting or whatever. I mean, somebody said this on Twitter, and this is how I'll wrap it up. They're bringing North Wilkesboro back. Wouldn't it be crazy if Texas that replaced North Wilkesboro ends up North Wilkesboro replacing Texas in the future? I'm for it. I think it could happen. Now that they have CODA in Texas, let's just chunk Texas Speedway and let CODA be the race there.
0: Okay. Uh, we're kind of we're talking about the rules. Um, <laughs> difference between the two, two uh, regular races, regular point paying races versus the all-star race, uh, and now we're talking about the location. So uh, I guess we'll kind of lump those two things together here uh, as we go around for the second time. But um, as far as the rules changes, let's, uh, let's just say that, yeah, there, there are a lot of changes. It does change every single year and uh, if the drivers are confused about when the race is ending, um, the broadcasters were confused about when the race ended. They weren't even sure if the race was over yet. Uh, I think that indicates that there's a problem. I I know that they do driver meetings, uh, and I would think that some of these differences in the race uh, rules for the all-star race versus a regular point staying race uh, would be highlighted and reiterated for all of the drivers and crew chiefs and spotters uh, during that driver's meeting. Uh, so it makes you kind of wonder what were these guys? Uh, talking about during that driver's meeting uh, so that these drivers would know exactly what are the differences between a normal point screen race versus uh, the changes that happened during the all-star race. Um, But, uh, yeah, I think that uh, I I know that sometimes when you put things in a visual, uh, it makes it easier for people to kind of absorb what those changes are. I think NASCAR even tried to do that this year. Uh, but one thing I will tell you, I know that they'll look at it and they'll see what they can maybe do differently to make it easier for people to understand uh, the differences in the rules uh, during the outside race a little more clearly. Um, but what that is, I, I'm not sure that I know what it is. My suggestion would be to make it more visual, um, to cover it during the the driver's meetings, uh, and every chance you get uh, as a broadcaster to be talking about it as well so that it's really clear for the race fans. It's obvious that the broadcasters were confused, uh, so they've got to do their due diligence as well in knowing what those differences are and making those differences very clear to the fans. Uh, And I think the broadcasters are part of the reasons why that kind of fell uh, apart as well. But I also have to to put some of the blame there with the driver's meetings because that should have been made very clear to the drivers during the driver's meetings prior to the all-star race. Um, so the fact that everybody was confused, I think there was a breakdown in communication. Uh, and as far as the location, um, I know uh, one of the things that Mike brought up is having a fan vote. Um, or maybe it was Dale Jr. that brought it up. Let's see here if I can pull this up. The venue might or should be a fan vote, uh, is one of the things that Dale Jr. suggested. Uh, Personally, I think logistically, I think that would be difficult because I think a lot of these tracks
3: and NASCAR,
0: for that matter, have to put their schedules together a year in advance. And... uh, So you'd have to vote this year for where you want it to be next year, and then hope and pray that logistically they can kind of put that together. Um, uh, And that might mean having to rearrange some existing plans. So... uh, Could it be at some different places? I think, yeah, they probably could. But I think the reason we're seeing it two years at Texas Motor Speedway is that's kind of the commitment that they have to give a track uh, so that they can make their plans for the year. Um, And, uh, you know, by, you know, maybe now they're planning three years out for where they might have it. For the next go around, it's hard to do this on a year by year basis to do it in a different location every year. I think that's going to be a very difficult thing for NASCAR to put together. Um, But, Jay,
6: what are your thoughts? Well, a a lot of them the same. Uh, First off, uh, applaud Tommy. He's persistent. He wanted to express his opinion. He doesn't think it should be at Texas. That was <laughs> in every topic we <laughs> talked about. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, and that obviously was going to come up. You hit on some key points there, Sharon. Uh, talking about location, the um, it's a logistics thing. The track commitment, you know. So we had the one year at, at Bristol for the COVID. Uh, And then now at Texas, this is another one I go back to, though. I'm going to repeat myself. You can't make everybody happy. It was at Charlotte. Fans didn't want to see it at Charlotte every year, year in and year out. Take it on the road, which is what it was originally designed to do. It went Charlotte, Atlanta, back to Charlotte for, I don't remember, X number of years. Um, So that was what the fans wanted. Now it's you know they're moving it around a little bit. Well, they don't like that, um you know. And uh, Tommy, I understand that the being at Charlotte, and I was okay with it at Charlotte every year. I would like to see it go to some other ones, but I understand. Yes, D- Dale Jr. saying that the fan vote. I think that's an an excellent idea. Do the vote, and then take it to NASCAR and say, "Hey, can we do this? Is this a, a possible venue? Can we make it happen?" say, in the next year or so. Because, Sharon, like you said, you're going to give a a track, a commitment, and whether it be two or three years, say, hey, you got it for the next couple of years, it's yours, fans start voting now. Where are we going to go after this contract is up? So there's a way it can be tied in, but you can't just say one year to the next, oh, on the spot, we're going to go here, um, because it takes planning and everything else. So fans need to look at that and understand that. Um, but I think it could be incorporated, and I kind of like that idea. But like you said, if the contract is for—and I don't know if it's a two or a three year—you said two, whatever it be. And I think two years. I mean, that, that's fair. Hey, you got it for two years. Once it, once that track, you know, Texas, were a year out, let fans start voting now. Okay, for the next two years, it's going to be at this track that the fans voted on. Start opening up that poll of where is the next one so NASCAR can start planning that. Uh, the track can start planning it. Um, as far as the overall format, uh, you know, I understand there was some confusion. But like Jamie said, I show up, I race, I race to the front. They tell me, you know, what I need to do. It'll work itself out. It has every year yes there were some things that were missed whether it be by drivers you know in this case of not knowing that the race wasn't going to be over with the yellow and in this case i think this is a little bit different and not realizing that it wasn't going to be a green white checkered he really thought he had gotten the checkered because of how far he had gone past uh you know he hadn't seen the yellow yet and again i haven't seen the video but they said he was only like 100 feet 100 yards when the yellow came out so that one maybe not, wasn't that he didn't understand it. He just didn't realize it had happened, you know, because it was so quick. Again, these are split-second things. Um, some of the other things that maybe get missed, I personally feel like you said, Sharon, maybe they're not giving their 100% attention during the driver's meeting. Or if they get the list of format and rules, they're kind of scanning over it and going, yeah, okay, that's normal, yeah, I'm used to that. And not hitting on these key elements, you know, you can't do this. Now, Frankie Stotter wouldn't have let that happen. He didn't know it exactly. He <laughs> knew what the rule was, and he exploited it. I'll bring that up again. So there was a crew chief that made sure he knew every little rule and how to take advantage of it. So uh, it can be done. I understand it gets to be a little bit much changes every year, but I think that is part of it. It makes it different. This year, the, the pit crew portion of the qualifying, did I understand it when it started? I, had an idea but no seeing it in action okay the one thing i look at when we talk about that some of the things that and mike and i i know we're chatting about this that have they've done in the all-star and then became a part of regular racing uh going back to the double file restarts the no uh lead la- or lap down cars on the inside row like we used to have the choose cone that was implemented tested in the all-star race We have it every week now. So there's a reason for some of these things that they implement. Uh, I think it was on Dave Moody's Sirius XM Speedway that technically stage racing kind of developed from that in the truck series when they did the caution flag. um, Because the all-star race has been broken into stages. So that kind of got moved into as a part of what we have as far as stage racing now. So there are some benefits to it of trying new things each year, seeing what works and what doesn't. And again, it's, you know, the, the years they had the uh, fan vote for inversion. How many cars are you going to invert? So that drivers can't sandbag or try and work it out. It's a, it's a fan vote on the spot. You know, again, one time, it, did it work or not? I thought it was a cool for that year. They didn't do it again? Okay, they tried something else. So, I think they need to find a balance. There's some things that they could, you know, try and keep consistent um, versus changing every year. There's also something to be said for trying new things.
0: Okay. Uh, Andy, your follow-up.
8: Yeah, you know, I, I'm i going to kind of echo some of what Tommy said there in, in terms of the Texas All-Star Race experiment. Uh, I think it's time to move on from it. I I would have to say that, you know, those two all-star races at Texas really were, quite frankly, lackluster. I haven't actually seen the race broadcast from yesterday, but I've seen enough to know that it wasn't really that exciting. And and the all-star race is supposed to be an exciting event. It's supposed to be showcasing the talents of NASCAR's top drivers, and I know it's a fun race, but it's supposed to be exciting to watch. And it's just we've gotten away from that. And I hope that, you know, those who make the decisions moving forward will realize that moving it somewhere else is really probably the, the way to go. And I, I, I hope that that's the direction we go in. What the, the next track or answer is, it's really hard to say, but these mile-and-a-half tracks really probably aren't – Answer except for maybe like Homestead or a place like that, I think would put on a pretty good show. But um, it might be time to like what they did with the Clash in moving it from Daytona, which was traditional, to the 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 Coliseum, was a big drastic bold new change that I think worked well. I think the 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 Bush Clash was was a was a success this year and it was it was an entertaining race from start to finish, and I think the All Star race could be the same thing but it's going to require a change, and, and Texas Motor Speedway is not the answer.
0: Okay. Uh, Tommy, in your defense, uh, as long as it's taken us to talk about two subjects, I can understand why you want to also bring up that topic <laughs> of location. So what, what are your
7: follow-up thoughts? Yeah, sorry for going off topic earlier about it. I did mean to hit on the format, too, because the format, even in my opinion, needs to be adjusted a little bit. Um, it's too confusing. I mean, Denny Hamlin's kind of right. It seems like they're making up rules as they go. I mean, it, really, it seems like that. They even had the issues at Bristol. Um, but back to the location and the format and all of that stuff, um, when I was watching it last night, this was the confusing part to me. I think stages one, two, and three were like twenty five or thirty laps. I mean, you could correct me if I'm wrong. I really Texas is just not a good race, so I really wasn't paying that much attention. They were just kind of turning laps. And um the next thing I know, I'm like, all right, final stage, it was like ten, ten thirty at that time. And it was like 50 laps. And I was like, what? Why wouldn't it be shorter? Like, you've been doing 25, 30 laps every stage. Why make the last one 50 laps? So um, I I think I had to go to
4: bed, and
7: I just didn't finish it. And then I woke up this morning and saw the stir about everything that was going on. It was just like, man, definitely need to – I mean – Marcus Smith, I saw on Twitter today where he said, everybody that was at the track had a good time. Okay, I can see that. I went to Talladega in October, the one that bubble won, and I had a great time there. I mean, I spent Sunday and Monday there, and I got to meet Andy and Mike. With that being said, the race, it faced criticism, and it shouldn't, because I feel like NASCAR made some judgments back then with the rain that didn't need to be made, but they did. Um, So... You guys are right. It's hard to please everybody. You can't. Everybody's going to complain. Some are going to have positive complaints. Some are going to have negative complaints. But overall, what I would say is this. The past two years at Texas, nobody has liked it from what I've seen. because I feel like we've talked more bad about it than we have good. Why not just chuck it? Just admit that it was a failed experiment. I mean, NASCAR has pulled off some good experience, like the L.A. Coliseum, theme, the Daytona Road course, uh, coming back during COVID, being the first sport to do that. But the Texas All-Star Race doesn't fit that category. It just doesn't work, in my opinion, and they need to move on from it. Texas is not the track to do that. It's, in my opinion, bad enough just to have one race there a year. Why would you put the All-Star Race there? I'd like to see it back at Charlotte just because you get that full week there with the all-star race being that Sunday and then the next Sunday being the Coca-Cola of 600. But um, I thought Bristol put on a good show when they put the lights up under the cars. I think a short track would be the way to go if you want an entertaining all-star race.
0: Yeah, I think those are good suggestions, Tommy. Um you know, although I think the fan vote would be kind of tough to do, uh, Jay gave some good examples of how they might be able to make that work. Um, but, yeah, I do think that if if they do change it, it has to be at least two or three years' uh, commitment that they're going to get that track to make it work. Um, and this is the second year for Texas Motor Speedway. So if it's not working there, then they, they have to look at some other alternatives. I would say since Charlotte Motor Speedway is a 1.5-mile track and people are calling for it to not be there, Texas Motor Speedway is a 1.5-mile track. People are calling for it not to be there. I would say they need to think about uh, doing either the road course or a short track, uh, something different than what they're, they're doing with the 1.5-mile track. Um Homestead Miami is a one point five mile track. It's a little bit racier uh than than the other uh tracks that we talked about there, but um I, I do think that uh, uh they need to look at doing something different uh and uh getting fans there. Um and getting fans on board with the changes. Whatever those changes are, they've gotta find a way to make that very clear to the fans, to the broadcasters. Uh, to everybody involved, for that matter, uh, when they do make some of these changes because it does get to be too confusing. So I'm echoing a lot of the same things that you guys have said, uh, so I don't really have a lot to add there. I just want to make it clear. It's not that I'm against changing the venue. Uh, I'm just against maybe having a fan vote every year to go to a different track every year. I think that's a tall uh, task to get NASCAR to be able to do it that. Frequently, I think we have to anticipate at least a two or three year
6: commitment from each of the tracks. So Jay, you get to wrap this up. Yeah. Like I said, find that balance of what can we, what can we do that is possible as well as keeps the fans happy, at least for that 30 seconds or however long they'll stay happy with the decision that's made. But um, that's my my own soap soapbox, um, and I'm, I'm and I'm not trying to say it needs to stay at Texas or that they've been the best races. I I would never try and say that. Uh, you know, Tommy mentioned the Bristol dirt one. Mike didn't think that was a good one either. So you, you're going to have that. I understand that, and that's where I say I think a, a two or a three year at particular venue, and as long as we're going to throw it out there and campaign. I'm going to campaign for either Iowa Speedway or, if if it's still there, Chicagoland Speedway, uh, since it doesn't get used for anything else right now. So, um, you know, like I said, I'm in favor of that, but I understand you got to give them time to work the work the details out. Uh, and and like you said, of you're gonna you may get it here. Uh, it's going to be for a couple of years. Then we're going to try something else. So um, finding that balance. The format, I think there are some things, if nothing else, in the brief of stressing, hey, this is the changes for this year. hey, this is different than your weekly racing, whatever that rule is or change of really highlighting that um, so that things don't maybe get overlooked, but like you said, Sharon, I think maybe the teams maybe need to do a little bit more, get more guys like i'm gonna give him another shout out, Frankie Stoddard, you know he he knew <laughs> what the rule was, and he knew. How to work around it uh, So um, It can be done You know, Like I said, I think there's a little bit on both sides Maybe NASCAR overdid it With the, the amount of changes and whatnot But I think the teams could put a little more Effort into knowing what's going on too So that they don't get caught with their pants down
0: You're Exactly right Okay, now then, uh, we're already at the top of the hour, so let's go ahead and start our roundtable. Andy, we'll start with you for that.
8: All right, yeah, for me, I'm on Twitter, at tb 14 fan and nice to be on tonight. It's been a little bit, so thankful that worked out, and uh, looking forward to trying to get back into watching more of these races. I've been a little absent the last couple, three weeks, because I've been pretty busy, but um, got some good races coming up in the next few months, so... Looking forward to hopefully being more active on Race Day Chats as well as the radio show. But uh, nice to be on.
0: Okay. Now it's nice to have you here, too. So, uh, Tommy?
7: At Since95Fan on Twitter. Uh, Give me a follow. I've been um, posting some pics of my diecast every day with uh, the Days date, So um, check it out. And um, thanks for having me back on. It was a lot of fun.
0: We always enjoy having you, Tommy. Jay.
6: Uh, you can follow me on Facebook, Michael Hoosman, mj 8 on Twitter and Instagram. And there were a couple of things I wanted to say here to wrap up. Oh, for, first off, uh, talking about the all-star format, it was all confusing. So let's make sure we're clear. Tommy doesn't want the all-star race at Texas anymore. I don't want there to be any confusion about that. Um, you follow him on Twitter. He might even say so on there. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just give you a hard time, Tommy, man. Um, and like I said, I I can understand that opinion. Um, I know. Oh, that was the other thing. Make sure you tune in Thursday for hot topics. Cause, uh, Sharon, what do we got three, four, we didn't even get to tonight that I know are some other big ones. Yep. Uh, <laughs> one that, uh, certainly w- should have pleased you of as far as Joe Gibbs racing this, this things. So, We'll get to those on Thursday night's Hot Topic, because I'll put
0: There might even be an announcement before then that will clear it all up. Um, who knows? I, I certainly don't. I'm just uh, speculating there. Uh, but I am FanFair sites on Twitter. We are FanFair Racing blog and radio everywhere else, including uh where we have our radio player, a FanFair radio player, and you can listen to our podcast. Uh, until Thursday when we bring well you can listen to it at any time. But Thursday we'll have a new broadcast uh as we preview the upcoming races at Charlotte Motor Speedway. We have all three series racing again this weekend and the uh there's a Whalen Modified race in Jennerstown and the Arkham Art series racing at Charlotte Motor Speedway this weekend. So a lot of racing coming up this weekend that we'll be previewing on Thursday. We do have um, earlier in the show we have like the pre-race audio from Stuart Friesen after winning the Truck Series race, if you want to listen to that. We also had Dylan Zampa who uh, won again in the uh, SRL Southwest Touring Series Pro Late Model Division and uh, uh, we Salsa uh, Salsa Gala did a nice interview with uh, Dylan tonight as well, so you'll want to tune in for that if you haven't already heard it. Um, And with that, so a big shout out to our listeners for tuning in and to our fan producing crew, uh, Jake Hughesman, Andy Lasky, and Tommy Kraft, uh, for always making the Hot Topic Sound Off segment uh, one of the funnest uh, segments of the show. So uh, thank you for all you do and to Sasa Gallo uh, for doing everything she does uh, during that 90-minute uh, review show on Monday nights as well. Again, one more reminder, we are getting together Tuesday next week uh For a Monday night show We're going to do it on Tuesday Because Monday is the Memorial Day holiday uh, So look for us on Tuesday May the 31st At 8.30pm Eastern Time So with that guys I think we're ready to call it a night Have a good night
8: Good night
0: Good night everybody We'll talk to you again on Thursday